0: on the 15 second skip button. Enjoy.
1: Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news?
2: Hi, I'm Joe Achilles and I'm an automotive film producer. The Driven Chat Podcast, powered by Paramex Digital.
0: Hello and welcome to the latest Driven Chat Podcast. My name is John Mark. I sat to my right in our little Coventry Corner recording studio is <gasps> It's Miles Lacey once again. I thought you'd thrown in like a double barrel surname there, Mars no. Lacey Woods. I was like, oh.
1: No, no, it's my w- middle name's actually William for anyone
0: that is interested, probably not. Perfect. What's your national insurance number? <laughs> JX. No, no, no. <laughs> we'll add it all in. We'll put all the uh, security details in the bottom of the show notes so we can, we can have a look and all steal Mars' money. Jokes uh, on them, there isn't any. No, quite. Yeah, I think that's a common theme for everyone sat in this room right now, isn't it? We could be all believed to be doing very well in life when the reality is we're all eating beans for dinner. Social media. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, we'll, we'll shatter all the illusions of um, how not to make money in the automotive industry in this episode. As you've heard from the introduction, this week we are joined for the second time by content creator, YouTube personality... I'm going to say, I'm going to throw in journalist, I'm going to say filmmaker, producer, Joe Achilles. Wow, what an intro. How's and it going? I, I missed out there, actually, and very good friend of mine,
1: yes, Joe Achilles.
0: perhaps the most that's important quite, bit. That's, that's quite, that's quite <laughs> presumptuous, isn't it? It's been a couple of <laughs> years since you've seen each other. Things have changed. Yeah. Things have changed, yes. Joe, welcome back. We've been flirting with the idea of getting you back on the podcast since uh, probably about a year after you first came on, which... I'm going to alarm you now by telling you when we last recorded our podcast together. It was you, me and Amy Shaw, uh, well, then titled Amy Shaw, now Amy Haynes. So that gives you a clue as to how much has changed in life. It was February 2021. No way. Yeah, it was two and a half years ago. Does
1: that make you Wow.
2: <laughs> <laughs> it kind of surprised me and kind of doesn't because I think time since... March 2020 has been a mysterious thing, hasn't it? Yeah. A year has gone like that in some cases, but um, that's a long time. I'm sorry. No, don't be sorry. We're
0: all busy. It's okay. It's okay. That's Um, not not what he said before you came (laughs) in. (laughs) Yeah, honestly. Never heard such profanity. (laughs) Um, So, Joe, I mean, I was going to say, what have you been up to in that two and a half years? But that would be quite a difficult question to answer, wouldn't it? Um, So I have instead, I've I've written down some bullet points in case our dear listener doesn't want to go back and listen to the terrible audio quality that we used to have back in February 2021. Uh, I'll summarise some of our talking topics in that last podcast. It'd be interesting to analyse what's changed since that recording to now, September 2023. So at the time that we spoke, you were still working full time as a chauffeur. You were still chauffeuring people around. You described yourself as a part time YouTuber. What's changed there? Let's start there,
2: actually. Wow. Well, I mean, that must have been just on the cusp because uh, COVID kind of killed my industry. You know, the chauffeuring industry, travel as we all know. Uh, And so not long after that, so you said that was February 21. Yeah. I think I officially closed my chauffeuring business around April 21. Wow. wow. So not long after that um, did things change. But I wouldn't say change significantly because it never really picked up uh you know uh, after covid so um so it was kind of just straggling along and costing me a lot of money in car payments and licensing and mm. stuff so it was just a case of going right no let's focus on youtube
0: and uh and close the uh the, the chauffeuring business yeah what's the goal always once you got to that point because i think again when we spoke you did reference actually in our conversation that times of suddenly become really hard for that particular business because of lockdown you know and loads of other people with similar in similar businesses and similar industries had exactly the same scenario and I'm sure there will be many many people listening to this episode who can relate to it and either their business did fail or it just went through a, a tremendously difficult time at the point you decided do you know what let's just have a go at this YouTube full-time was that an easy decision was it was there an element of relief in saying goodbye to the show for business or was it kind of a 50-50 not sure how it's going to pan out I think it was
2: an easy decision at that point Uh, it wouldn't have been 12 months beforehand just when we sort of first went into our lockdown or about to go into our first lockdown because business wasn't too bad then and I relied on it a lot more but during those 12 months let's say until we first uh, did our podcast, YouTube accelerated quite a lot because mm. people were at home or, yeah. you know. Yeah. And so my earnings on YouTube suddenly became more of a realistic reality. Uh, and I thought, you know, I looked at it. I thought, oh, actually, I, I, I can survive on this. And and what I need to do now is literally is focus fully on it and, and just put what's not working uh you know close that down so so yeah it wasn't and I've always been a bit of a risk taker in my life I've done lots of things in my let's say adult life I'm still a child a 44 year old child but in my in my adult life I've done a lot of things I've chopped and changed and I've worked very hard and I've never been afraid of of trying something that maybe isn't guaranteed um but I think that's just self-employment uh, you know in a nutshell I guess so so yeah um I, I I I kind of jumped at it and uh and, and focused on it. Perfect.
1: Well it's quite refreshing to hear a success story come out of COVID, really, isn't it? You know? Yeah, it is. It is. I think COVID, it's yeah. I mean you can't really
2: feel smug about that because at the time when it all happened, obviously it was it was horrible in so many ways. Uh aside from the obvious the health uh side of it, yeah, businesses and stuff that we talked about, financial nightmares for people. And that's kind of how it kicked started off for me, because I was looking at it in one sort of in one direction and then all of a sudden I was like oh wait a second my actual business is dying but my hobby that I've mm. worked hard on for years mm. is now I hate to use the word profiting but it kind of was you know people mm. are at home watch so it was kind of like yeah it was saying goodbye to one thing and saying hello to another which was almost accidental and I think yeah it was never planned like that I never I always wanted it to become a uh, living because it was the dream you know who who out of all of us, we all love our cars. It was like, wow, I'm actually doing something that I love. Um, but I never actually imagined that it would be a career, especially at my, let's say, more mature age, when you look <laughs> at a lot of YouTubers are, are younger, aren't they? It's, mm. it's, it's more of a younger audience in general, apart from like Harry Metcalf and stuff, who's uh, like the godfather of YouTube. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so yeah, that's that's, uh,
0: that's that. That's interesting. Okay, yeah, that's that's interesting for me looking back on it, actually. I can imagine. Yeah. And there were a few things in our conversation that we talked about. We were talking about the fact that I think at the time or or recently, or or just before I should say, the point of our recording, you described YouTube as just starting to become sustainable. It was starting to bring in enough advertising revenue, but you were also being very selective about sponsored content. You didn't want it to be a blatantly obvious advertising platform where every single video and every single section of it was sponsored by, and this is bought to, and I'm wearing bamboo underpants made by so-and-so, which... How do you know? <laughs> <laughs> you told us on the way in. Oh. I, actually showed, in I actually showed John. I told you, but I showed John. <laughs> Feel my pants. Uh, yeah. um, has, has that developed at all? Because, again, I, I'm thinking also in between our chat, I've, I've spoken to a few other really interesting uh, YouTube content creators who had a similar mindset of, I don't want this to just be one big advertising platform. I want to be able to bring in sponsorship but the right kind of sponsorship. And then as time has developed, it's it's almost proven to the point that you have to now, in order to make money with YouTube, you have to bring in sponsor partners. And the best example of that is a conversation I had with Mike Fernie, not long ago, where he was talking about the, the building up of Drive Tribe, and, of course, the platform itself not doing very well and failing, but the YouTube channel growing and coming to terms with the fact that in order to make this work, we do actually have to get sponsors in for each video. So is that something that you've become a little bit more comfortable with now? Is that something that you still find a bit difficult or has it just become part of the process?
2: Yeah, it's uh, it's interesting you bring that up, actually. Um, for those listening, I, I didn't know what we we're going to talk about on this podcast Uh, And it's something that I wanted to talk about. Exactly that topic was um, it's such a changing, well, it's been a changing landscape for years. uh, But I think the last two or three have been really, uh, I don't know, turbulent in the YouTube space, especially as far as I'm concerned. Um, And I still try and be as organic um, as possible in terms of sponsorship. Uh, I was very lucky that at the beginning of 22, um, Michelin, got on board as uh, I'm a brand ambassador for Michelin uh, this year as well, which is amazing because they're a fantastic tyre and uh, and I've always used them. So that was a very natural fit. And those guys have certainly helped me through, especially this year. Um, and talking of other sponsors, I wouldn't say I have more sponsored content on my channel, but it is something that I do think about, especially in the past four or five months. YouTube views and revenue uh, thanks to a number of reasons, namely shorts um uh unfortunately, the long form content which I love making and have pride and joy in doing uh really has suffered um and then when you factor in a lot of car manufacturers and brands aren't aren't splashing out on on the money or. With the budgets that they used to, uh, suddenly your YouTube ad revenue that I relied on and I, was like my main source of income for the last, let's say, two and a half, three years since I last spoke to you, that has really suffered over the past six months, like massively, ridiculously suffered. Um, and so, yeah, I am, I, I am definitely open to, to 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 talking to a lot more sponsors, but it still hasn't changed my mindset. I turn away ninety five percent of the stuff that I get offered whether it's a random email um, that I'm sure we all get in our inboxes or or something that someone, you know, a a proper agent's throwing my way, if it doesn't fit with me, I still have a real chip on my shoulder trying to advertise something that I don't believe in Mm. um, because I like to be as real as possible. But then at the end of the day, it's a living. And I know there's people out there that say yes to absolutely everything. Uh, And I'm sure we all know who those people are. But at the end of the day, they've got much bigger bank accounts than me. Um, Mm. So... uh, you know it's like oh maybe i'm doing the wrong thing but it's uh i think it's a bit of a fine balance
1: it, well at this yeah. point in the conversation i would like to mention tenor lady actually <laughs> <laughs> um they do deliver a fantastic service
0: uh was that is that okay yeah yeah i think that's cool, what cool, they told cool. us to say i don't you know, know, know if that was shoehorned yeah. in a bit no, but no, that's uh fine. That's anyway natural. do Just i get a cup then, <laughs> <but> <laughs> yeah. it, uh, it's product no. only sponsorship unfortunately oh, no, okay. no finances yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, uh, in fact, you you saying that's actually just cast my memory back to another of our talking points from that last conversation, which was a very, a very valid one. And perhaps ahead of its time in terms of the conversations that I've had since with other people on the similar subject. And it's that you said, you know, if you pick up a magazine, Evo, car, Top Gear magazine, even a BBC publication, you flick through the first few pages and it's advert, 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 advert. And that's just completely normal. Nobody uh, n- nobody buying a magazine, and and let's emphasize emphasize on that word, buying a magazine. You go into a shop and paying with actual money to buy that magazine to read the articles, which are then also filled with adverts because that's what subsidizes the magazine. Magazines, mm-hmm. for anyone that is un- unaware, I'm sure most people are now, do not make any money from selling magazines. That is not how it works. They they make their money from the advertising revenue that is generated with the adverts that are inside the magazine. So. I do find it fascinating that there are people out there that still have a really hard time from an audience point of view, and some people actually get quite upset and angry when they see advertised content on their videos. You know, oh God, how dare you sell out? How dare you try and sell me something when they're watching something for free?
1: They've not yeah. paid.
0: They're not paid three pounds yeah. forty to watch a YouTube video. They've gone on in their own free time, in at their own will, hit, hit play, and yeah, this video is sponsored by Michelin Tires or whoever it might be bamboo underpants but that's it you know they've got no obligation to even sit through the advert they can even skip forward if they want to and yet people still feel a compulsion to complain and go oh you it's a shame you're having to sell out to a global highly renowned tire manufacturer in order to uh, bring us content yep. for free
2: but i suppose that's just the internet though isn't it again yeah. we're all very familiar with that these days uh, you're never gonna satisfy everyone, and but I mean I say that like I know what I'm talking about. If I get a negative comment on a video, still to this day, I'm like, oh, it hurts me, mm. and I focus on that. And it's like, why are you focusing on the one negative when there's a hundred positives next to it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah. that's just, I think, almost natural human instinct, uh, and uh, and I guess that's kind of how it fits in with the, with the sponsors stuff. But um, but you're right, yeah, magazines and TV, everything is. Is is around advertising, really, isn't it? Like, um, and and I think, yeah, I, yeah, it'll be interesting to see
0: where where what what happens, yeah, in the future. Definitely with my stuff. I'm glad you brought up the the kind of negative comments bit because I'm going to skip past it for now, but we are definitely going to come back to it because <laughs> yeah. again, that was something we we did have quite a, a good discussion on that last time we spoke, and it's again, it's something that I am fascinated by. something that we as a production ourselves encounter and deal with and manage and it's always fascinating to hear when talking to people with huge followings how they deal with the not so nice sides of the job that come with it but we'll come back to that in a bit one of the things that we did talk about in the uh, in our last conversation it was a statistic that was quite surprising to me and it was that 75% of the people watching your content weren't actually subscribers has that changed that's remarkable
1: isn't
2: it Mm. I haven't checked it like really recently but uh but I maybe three four months ago and I would say, on average, yes, it's still about the same. Wow. Um, and sometimes, if, it, and that gets much worse if a video does really well. So, um, of course, if, yeah. if a video these days uh, doing well is like 200, 300,000 views for me, I guess. If you look at that, then it's it's been shared in various places. And so the chance of those people, that are watching it uh subscribe to me is even less Mm. so you'll see sometimes it's like 20 percent of the viewership on a on a really good video is subscribed uh uh, sorry less than 20 percent um which is crazy because yeah you're just like oh please just subscribe it's it's, (laughs) It's free it really is free (laughs) um but yeah no it's it it, but i think that's the same with even like instagram uh again if a reel goes viral Mm. sometimes a reel is like a reel could go viral and it would get like 1% will be uh, my audience, and oh, yeah. 99%. So I guess it's kind of a scalable down version of that and mm-hmm. just the way the algorithms and the internet work today.
0: Sure, yeah.
1: Which no one seems to understand. No. no. Well, I, I'm
0: sure I've heard it from various sources now that YouTube, especially because it's a Google algorithm, it's entirely AI-based yeah, you know, there is nobody even at Google that can tell you how really? it works. That's they can't tell you what the secret remedy is. I think certain platforms like Instagram you still can work it out and you can there are people perhaps at Meta that will say, Yeah, you you do this and do that and make sure you reply to every comment and engage with other platforms, therefore you'll get it. But for YouTube as a platform, I think now it is just complete guesswork. Like nobody knows how it works. Yeah. And what might seem to work one week seems to be completely different the next because the big AI system has just gone, hey, let's try this. It's
2: it's really difficult. I think the YouTube what I've noticed has happened uh this year especially and it's something that a lot of other YouTubers I speak to have uh, the same problem with. If you, in the past, put out, uh, I don't know, quite a relevant video, the new M2, whatever, first drive. That video, obviously, is going to start off strong because it's a new car. But it will continue to go strong because it's it's got a big audience. People are still going out and buying it. It's still relatively new, you know, example. But um, videos like that or like anything, pretty much, you put on the channel... It gets a point, and then honestly, it's like someone has just turned the tap off, and I'm not even like exaggerating. It just stops, and you don't even get like a handful of views that go through the net after that. That is it. You know, and so it just, and you think, where does it go? It must just disappear mm. off everything, you know, because people are still searching for the new M2 or reviews on the new. Yeah. But it, but they're just the, that video is just it's never seen again. And I think that's what the struggle is. And I can imagine even for the likes of our, our mutual friend Tim Shmi, mm. you know, you've always got that backlog of videos that was once a real important thing to have because they're always trickling away. But at least in my experience. Anything that's more than a week old is just off. That's wow. it. It's literally like the lining of, a, you know, the old newspaper thing. You put it, it's tomorrow's, or what is it? It's tomorrow's Today's bin liner. Today's is tomorrow's
0: chip paper. Yeah, yeah, pretty
2: much that. And it really is. You look back and you're just like, why is that not trickling? any? Why is it not doing anything? and it very rarely ever picks up again and it's uh so i think that's that's really difficult because you live in hope when a video does really badly you go okay well maybe it'll pick up yeah, in a month or two yeah, someone's yeah. going to share it <laughs> but you look back and you're like no, that hasn't that has not moved was... um so again that yeah it must be all to do with the ai and uh, everything else that's involved but
1: i think i think like you say in the way that people create content now as well because we you know we've all seen it where We've talked about it before. Something that actually maybe we've put a bunch of effort into. Yep. And you think, oh, wow, great video. Nice production value. We've thought about this one. Dies on its ass. Mm. And then something that you've chucked together on your phone absolutely <laughs> explodes. Yep. And you think, well, "How how's that working? You know, um, I mentioned earlier James Walker, obviously uh, to many known as Mr. JWW, he's just launched another channel called Uncut. And it's literally his videographer walking around with an iPhone don't really put much effort into the edit or anything it's literally just like throw it together chuck it out on the channel and it's doing all right yeah <laughs> you know but I they think, don't put any time into it really
2: i think people love the rawness don't they and i get that you know and i guess you look at reality tv shows most of them are quite raw and um but yeah that i'm sure we've talked about this loads john probably in the last one as well it's like yeah you put the more effort you put into it, i mean a prime example last uh november um i had a gt3 touring uh manual probably my favorite car of porsche gb uh and rob gave it to me for nine days it was uh right at the end of october last couple of days in early november and uh i thought right what am i going to do with this car selfishly rather than rather than trying to plan something around here i thought no Let's pretend this car is mine for ten days, right? Mm. Let's 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 just live like I, like I've got the money to own this car. Let's forget about my bank account for a minute and let's just go and enjoy it to the maximum. So I took it on the uh, on the ferry over to Spain because uh, I thought beginning of November the weather that was the only place that looked like it had mm. decent weather. Ferry over to Spain and to this national park in the middle of Portugal, which is one of my favourite sort of driving roads. So I, f- I took it out there and then my mate Patrick flew in for a couple of days to film some videos. And uh, anyway, I had the best, best trip and I don't regret it. You know, I, it was never going to make me money that trip. It was all about me enjoying the car, but <laughs> filming content along the way, which was the best way to do it in my head. And uh, we made this really polished. And to me, it's still my favorite video. If someone asks for for a video a, a example, that's what I'll show them because yeah. I'm proud of it. And there's emotions in it. There's everything about it. It's whatever. Uh and that video <laughs> that video got to about 80 I think it's at 90 now but it got to about 85,000 views and then just stopped and I thought okay well fair enough doesn't matter you know I'm sure and everyone that watched it really loved it most people anyway we filmed another one I filmed from the second I picked the car up through the whole journey on gopros and like really vloggy like mm. scrappy one minute it's too light like the iso is going crazy too dark so i'm like <laughs> at night talking to it was just i was editing it going oh no this is this is terrible like but maybe people will enjoy it yeah that's done like 350,000 <laughs> views and it's an hour long yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just like uh, it just but you know i'm not complaining because actually i paid for most of the fuel on that trip in the end that that yeah. video but it was just a prime example of that's great. I'm glad you enjoyed that. But did you watch the Polish yeah. one? Did you see the
0: one that we actually cared about? We <laughs> yeah. actually made um, something you kind of glossed over there. But I always like bringing this up as well because I think it's really important that people understand that the technicalities that go into creating this particular type of content is the fact that you're still editing yourself, aren't you? A lot of what yep. you do, or pretty much everything that you do, you're still the man at the desk you've come back from the trip you've got all the footage it's not going off to some fancy production suite somewhere in soho no you are at home physically piecing each video together yeah uh, i would say so i think i've i'm i'm close to 700 videos in the
2: channel uh and i would say i've edited 690 of those wow. um uh may, maybe less than 10 patrick's done over the years um but yeah i kind of it's something i've always done i'm not good at editing uh, but i do it, it, uh, and I'm not controlling. I'm not like a control freak in that sense. But I do when I get back with way too much footage. I kind of in my own head I know where it all is and I know kind of how it all fits together. And I think it's 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 something I've always done and something I've always known. Uh, so it's painful I started an edit this morning before I came down here actually and it's nice getting it underway then there's a painful bit in the middle and then there's a great bit at the end when when you you know and then it's the and then it's literally like then you put it online and then you just wait and I think that's why the emotions or the stress of YouTube at the moment is really difficult because if you are you know you let's let's go from the start okay so I've I'm interested in a certain car right I've got to try and find availability for that car so I contact whoever the manufacturer is Yes. Okay, it's available in this week. Oh, yeah, that kind of works. Then you're getting closer to that week, and the weather's not looking great. We talked about it off camera a minute mm-hmm. ago, and so you're like, okay, well, I can't film in those three days because it's going to be torrential rain. But that particular day is not, so I'll do like maybe the 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 the, the, stilt, the um the beauty shots of the car while it's clean before I even drive it because I don't want to make it dirty and I don't want to spend three hours detailing it again because. So then you've got them in the bag, then you go and do some drive-bys. Sometimes it can be a two-day shoot for me. I'll try and make it a day and a half for most cars. Um, but all of that time, that car is there. It's part of your job. It's not there, you know, it's it's, it's great. You might see on my Instagram, oh, I've got, ai don't know, a GT3 next week or whatever. Great, lucky me. But it's there as part of a job, you know. Mm. It's it's there to make a video with, and it's not there to just go and have a jolly with, unless I take it to Spain, like I did at the end of last year. <laughs> but that was but an it was exception still to make a film exactly, it? and that was yeah, that was more of a relaxed version. And 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 then yeah, once all that's done, and the car goes back, and then you've almost forgotten your time in the car because you're like, God, I didn't. Did I even enjoy that? I don't know. I can't remember. And then you're editing it. Um, and the process just goes around again and again, and the whole time you're doing it for a twenty, let's say, twenty-minute YouTube video. Um, but again, don't get me wrong. I'm not. I'm not in any way complaining about that because I love that's that whole process is great, and I love trying to make it all come together. Um, but sometimes living in the UK with our climate, especially with our inverted commas, summer that we've had that has now <laughs> arrived. Yeah. Um, it is it is difficult to make it all work. and uh, But, yeah, the editing thing is is something I almost, uh, I think about a year ago, I was looking and thinking about getting an editor because mm. I thought if I've got one then I can focus on other stuff. Um, but I'm kind of, with the way things have gone revenue-wise, I'm really glad that I didn't because, yeah. uh, again, I'm just... Running as lean as possible on my own, um, which is the safest way, I think,
0: at the moment. Yeah, yeah. So it's still not a, it it's not a sit back, relax, and enjoy. You know, watch the money roll in industry, is it? And in fact, again, an, another question that I ended with, I think, in our last chat towards the end, I I said, you know, given the the growing market, again, just to remind you, dear listener, we're talking two and a half years ago, February twenty twenty one. If someone came along to you and said. I wanna give this a go, would your advice be yes? And I think, I think your answer to it was, you'd say yes, but without the expectation to do well from it easily, you know, unless you've got something so different and so unique, what do you think your answer would be now? Because again, I, I don't, I think if anything, it's got harder, isn't it, in that time? It's definitely got harder. Uh, and I'm talking again from the automotive
2: uh, side of things, uh, cause that's what I know better than mm. anything else, I guess. Um, and yeah, I, I think my advice would still be the same, Don't ever look at YouTube uh, as a... um I think a lot of people look at it, oh, I'll get famous or oh, I'll make loads of money overnight because that's like everything in life. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's not like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if you're looking at it to film your hobby and do something on the side, whether you've got a full-time job, part-time job, or you're living at home and you're at school, whatever, then yeah, do it 100%. It's great. And as you said, John, if you can think of us, I mean, look at the likes of like Matt Armstrong and... Mm-hmm. um you know that Matt's kind of reinvented the wheel in a sense but then Matt's it's a lot of it is risk for reward and Matt Tavares those sort of guys take massive risks uh, and they they you know they hopefully get a lot of reward and benefit from it but I couldn't replicate what Matt does and I think 99.9% of people out there couldn't do what Matt does so uh there are those niches, but it's not like you can just wake up one day and go, "Oh, I'll just do that like mm. it's gotta be something that's pretty pretty out there and interesting and and I suppose as time goes on, those uh niche things get less and less, don't they because more and more people think of it but um but I always encourage people to do it, and i love I get a real buzz out of watching new uh creators that maybe i spoke to before they even picked a camera up mm. and asked me what camera they should use or how to do this and, and you see them and their channels are growing and they've got two three thousand subs because they're the, that's the hardest bit is that first couple of thousand subs is uh yeah is just i mean yeah you you started your channel many years ago didn't you and um
0: it was a short stint
2: yeah but it was a hard stint you worked yeah. really hard on it and and uh and it's just, it is, it's difficult. And I think now it's more difficult than ever. I mean, growth is just so hard on YouTube. So yeah. if you're thinking about it, absolutely do it. Don't spend a fortune on camera gear and, and everything else. Don't put yourself into debt trying to do it. Um, get the bare minimum and, 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 and just try and build a base platform and,
0: and see if you enjoy it. And if you enjoy it, then keep going. I think that's the key. That, that is the key point there. It's it's about the enjoyment. It's a bit like when people say, oh, I've I've inherited a bit of money. What car should I buy to make money? And the answer is always, that's great. Don't expect to make money from car investing because mm. the minute you rely on that and the minute that that becomes the reason you buy the car, you're doing it wrong. You buy yeah. the car that you love. Yeah. Yes, there are some informed choices you can make that are statistically more likely to be of value after three years. But... If you're going into it solely to make money, you're only it's only going to end miserably for you. And it has to be the same for content creation, for YouTube, for any level of social media influencing. If you want to do it to have fun and enjoy it, then that's it. Perfect. That's all it ever needs to be. The minute you're going into it with the expectation to become the next Shmi 150, I'm sorry to say the reality is it's probably not going to happen because... Yep it's a completely different world now what has changed of course as well as it now being tim and let's say 25 other automotive influencers in the uk it's now tim and three and a half thousand other automotive influencers in the yeah. uk and it is tremendously difficult to grow and and it's funny i mean i won't i won't make this about me but the um i often think about the uh my little br- very brief chapter in the world of youtube and we i have spent i've mentioned it before on the podcast if you want to go and blow the cobwebs off of a YouTube channel that's not had anything uploaded on it for quite some time, um, search for my name on YouTube and you will see my channel is still there. All the videos that I made are still there. There is a video featuring the two of us going with Sam Moores to pick up his um, auto farm Porsche. All good fun. But I remember thinking it got to the point where I turned that off, Stop creating content because I hated firstly editing m- footage of my own face, but also just because it just seemed like such... It, it was never going to get me anywhere other than taking up time from... Other jobs, other opportunities. So therefore, I put an end to it. Then, of course, with the creation of Driven, we also have a YouTube channel. And what's been interesting with Driven is, of course, we've got a bit of budget behind us. We're, we're backed by a very large company that enables us to put a bit of production into things. We've got some amazing video videographers and cinematographers and drone pilots, audio editors, all this amazing stuff. And I think, I think perhaps naively at the beginning of starting out with Driven going, right, okay, let's have another go at this YouTube thing. But we're doing it as a brand now. We're doing it backed with actual money. So therefore, it's going to be much easier this time around with the better cameras, with the editors, with everything else. Lo and behold, it's just as hard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it, whether you're filming it on an iPhone and editing it yourself on Premiere Pro or, or some sort of free platform. Uh, or you've got an amazing team of editors with you, the actual getting growth bit on YouTube is just as hard. It really is. I think it's both interesting and important that we share that message to people and and show that this isn't just a big, easy, jolly. No. A lot of what we do is great fun. Don't get us wrong. It really is. But it is not an easy way to make a living by any means.
2: No, no, it's not. I think life, you learn that though, don't you? I mean, uh, the older you get... The, the more you realize that nothing in life is really free mm. and I remember my my dad saying that to me when I was younger uh, and it's kind of, it is true that nothing in life is free but there is there are ways of working towards doing what you love mm. and it's not always guaranteed but um, I think hard work is certainly something something I never focus on when I was I was a terrible academic I wouldn't say I was a terrible academic at all I just was I just wasn't good um
0: at learning in a classroom yeah uh, you and I yeah. are exactly the same on that front yeah, yeah. we're yeah. not we're, academically on paper the grades are probably quite low but as people we're not we're quite intelligent people we know how the world works but yeah I'm, I'm exactly the same as you the classroom environment just didn't really work for me
2: and I think that's how a lot of you know people are I mean I know it's all based on when we're, when we're younger on academics and mm. grades and stuff but I think there's there's different mindsets and brains out of there Of course. Um, and in fact a lot of the my good friends at school people I know that went to Oxford and Cambridge and were academically genius, mm. uh, in a normal life situation, everyday situation. They had no, like, they, they were complete opposites to that. Um, and, and I think we're all different. We're all born in different ways. We're wired differently. Um, but yeah, I think at hard graft. I, I discovered with the YouTube thing that the more effort I put in, the more it rewarded. So, um, so yeah, and that's that's down to passion. If you find your passion, it's like if you if you were given a subject, both of you at school around track day driving mm. or driving dynamics, or you'd both be like uh, you'd you'd learn, wouldn't you? Yeah, <laughs> you'd learn yeah.
0: very quickly in the same. You know, uh, so it's yeah, it's interesting. It is. Yeah, it is really interesting. And um, what we're gonna do is. I'm going to try and do this episode as one of two parts. So I feel like we've dived in quite um, quite the heavy stuff to start with, really, with regards to YouTube and and the platform. I'm assuming that the vast majority, if not every single person listening, knows who you are, knows what you do as a profession, and therefore has consumed some of your footage. So hopefully there's nobody going what is this YouTube thing you're talking about? (laughs) Because if if you are, then this has been a terrible first half of the podcast. Um, But what I wanted to do as well, and and the reason I want to do it now before the break is because I think then in part two, we'll get into more of the fun, lighthearted stuff and we'll talk about some of the cars you've been driving, some of the cars you bought and owned. I know you've jumped into motorcycles as well, which is all really exciting. We'll cover all of that. But I do want to go back to the not so fun part of the job, which can be the negative comments. And I guess when we last spoke two and a half years ago, It was something we mentioned and and you gave a comment that most people that do what you do and do what we do as a profession say at some point when talking about the role. And it's that there's this strange process where despite the fact that we could get hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of wonderful comments, every single one of them saying, what a brilliant video. Thank you for producing this content. Great video. Best video I've seen in this version. Out of that 100, there'll be one that has some sort of stupid comment and it and it, it not even constructive criticism to the content it's just found that boring or you're a bit old to be wearing converse mate that was a comment i got by yeah. that for some reason are the ones that really sit with you in that time so in the in the time the two and a half years that we've spoken how has that developed because i'm assuming your audience has grown I say, I'm assuming, I know that your audience has grown. Therefore, the diversity of the comments surely has grown as well. Has your relationship with the negative comments on YouTube changed? Have the number of negative comments changed? What's the, what's the dynamic of it now?
2: Yeah, it's a good question. Uh, and I'm glad that we're ending this part of the pod on that because I think there's there's a there is another aspect to that as well which has definitely become more relevant in my head and something that once again as you get older you start to recognise more. Um and that's the sort of mental health side of things. Mm. But uh we'll, we'll touch on that in a sec. Just going back to what you'd asked about the comments, um it yeah, it's definitely something that's still I would say it's on the same sort of ratio. Mm-hmm. Uh and those comments that you said are just exactly it. Sometimes they're not even if you if you told someone like the converse comment, they'll go, and like, who cares? Like what? But, but to you, you're, it, it could eat, it could be something so small and innocent and it would start eating you yeah. inside. And, and, and I think the, the, a lot of people's um, sort of uh, um, outlook on this is, well, you put yourself on the screen and in the public eye. So you've got to expect negativity and abuse and all. And, and I, I get, I do get, people that say that in a sense but I, I also think today you know cyber bullying it's it's a big thing and you know there's been some horrible things that have happened over the past few years of people you know taking their lives or whatever from might be a small comment like that um and it does eat away at you there are ways of dealing with it um and I think since I spoke to you last I have been really trigger happy blocking people on mm-hmm. on Instagram which you can still do. Unfortunately with YouTube once again <laughs> I'm really uh, <laughs> I'm bigging YouTube up in this watch my algorithms completely die after this podcast. But once again <laughs> YouTube as far as I can see over the last 2 or 3 months they have stopped you give stop, uh, they've uh, removed the ability for you to block other YouTube users. So right if you were abusing me or my channel John um, I could, in the past, just block you. Yeah. So your email address, your account could no longer see my videos. So that's fine. So to me, it's like, well, I've got rid of them. Hopefully, they'll just leave me alone. Yeah. I'm not going to set up another account. Probably most of the time, they won't. But now I can't. I can silence your comments so only me and you can see them, wow. but no one else. So, so so, I can still see. Uh, can you believe it? So there's no block button now. And that's. I think that's a big problem because uh it like like i said i kind of got around it now i was like oh okay i don't like that comment you're rude to me yeah block you're, you're adding no value to anything no value to anything i don't want you here block and and that was actually quite that actually reversed it because it was like rather than them hurting me it was like well you're not going to see my content any anymore whether mm. you like it or not you're gone see ya yeah, yeah. now you can't do that um so And that is a bit frustrating. Um, And I don't understand why they would remove that button. And if anyone's listening to this and knows a way of doing it, please drop me a DM on Instagram or something. Mm. Um, Because the long and short of it is I think it does i don't i don't think it's related to just the negative comments i think it's related to the pressure of of what i do and and life in general i think i think uh talking the mental health aspect of it i think there's a bit of a hangover from covid and lockdowns and Mm. a lot of people that i know a lot of especially guys that aren't as good at talking as women i don't know if you can say that these days i'll probably be called a sexist but i think women are great at talking to (laughs) their friends and men are not so much you know they're not very open with their feelings and I think this, the last, well, I'd say this entire year, I've been really up and down with mental health mm. um, and really struggled quite a lot. Um, and sometimes it's, it's the, the problem with that is sometimes it's obvious and there's something staring you in the face as to why you're, you're not in a good place. But a lot of the time there isn't. And I think that's the big, issue with mental health is you can look at things you you know Lou and I got a house together five months ago Mm. I've got you know lovely cars that I love life is good on the outset but 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 why am I in such a bad place and why am I in such a a cave where I feel like nothing is positive for a few days, you know? Yeah. And I think that's when when you've, when you've got that mindset uh, and you're going through struggles, and I have done for many years of my life, but this year particularly just been very up and down. And I think it's very hard when you're in that down that someone then uh attacks you online Mm. and that that's not good because then then you're really sensitive to whatever it might be yeah um and it is a real struggle and uh i'm no professional on it but as they always say you know talk to your friends or talk to professionals about it because i think being silent if you're going through struggles is uh is is the worst thing to do and it's and it's also
0: the easiest if you're in a bad hole you tend to just shut down and you need to talk to people. It's so true. And, and again, we, we campaign for this all the time in, in the, the importance of just having a chat or having the ability when somebody says, how are you, mate? Rather than just going, yeah, fine, which is like default. Yeah, I'm grand. Yeah, everything's good. Yeah. Even when you know something's not quite right, even if you don't know how to process or explain what's not quite right, it still, for some reason, just feels easier to just go, yeah, no, fine. You know, deep down, you'd love to go, actually. Yep. I can't really put this into words, but things aren't amazing. And sometimes that's all it needs to be, because chances are the person that you're talking to or if someone has actually genuinely asked with compassion, how are you? Because they care. They also want to be the ones that can help you process something. And even if they don't know how to process it, even if the two of you together won't conclude what the issue is, how to fix the issue, where to go from here, you've at least released that pressure valve. I, I like to think of emotions as a as like a gas canister, which is which just inflates and inflates and inflates. And there's always a safety valve. If the pressure becomes too strong, this release will kick in and relieve the pressure. If it doesn't, it's going to explode. And that is how I often look at our emotions as humans, is we allow ourselves to bottle and bottle and bottle and the pressure grows and grows and grows. And occasionally it might just be exactly that, having a quick chat with a friend and going, I can't really put my finger on what's wrong, but I just feel a bit crap. That can be enough to just open the valve. And it might lead to a larger conversation. It might lead to even just the ability to process something and go, oh, maybe it's because. That can be all it takes. And it is so important. It sounds like such a throwaway thing to say is do talk to your friends. But often that in itself is something that people don't know how to do. And the thing I always love reminding people of is it doesn't matter if you don't know how to do it. Just have a go anyway, because it will make a difference. It really, really will. I noticed as well in the past year or so you've you have been having some and may being quite public about this you've been having breaks from social media as well is that related is that a similar um for similar reasons or is that just because social media can sometimes be a bit crap uh, i think it's a bit
2: of a bit of both yeah but it's definitely related to that yeah. um i find that it helps me it's it's difficult because it's my living yes um and you know um it's very important to. I'm not. I think there are people that can do it nonstop, like Tim Schmee. Mm-hmm. I know we keep relating to him, but he is. I call him computer brain. <laughs> <And> I'm sure <laughs> you've got similar nicknames for him because he is. Or he is just. You know, he's wired in a different way. He can be on his phone all day, all yeah. night long, yeah. and and communicate with others and be a bit social at the same time. I'm not so great at that. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm either on my phone or I'm socializing. And uh, but I think, yeah, I think sometimes. And I urge anyone, because it doesn't matter if you're a content creator or whatever you want to call it, or you've got a normal job that doesn't re- you know, revolve around uh, social media. I think it's a really important thing to every so often just step away from your social media platforms. Delete. I just delete Instagram. I delete the YouTube um, uh, app and everything else for four or five days, sometimes a week. And it's so, honestly, I sleep so well really uh, uh, everything lou notices a change in my mood and the way i am because i'm actually present mm.
0: um and it's yeah i wish i could do that all the time but i can't because that's my life so it's, it's yeah, like and it's this big ever feeding machine isn't it if you've done something on youtube you need to promote it on your other platforms <laughs> exactly and if you're not promoting it on your other platforms <laughs> then you're going to miss out on potential audience which then of course misses out on potential earnings and it's just it's this horrible big it's a vicious circle System,
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah i think that's where your perspective is really interesting because obviously it is it is your source of income it is your living yeah. uh but for you, someone like yourself who can still confidently say i can have a break from it and feel quite a lot better yeah people that don't rely on it that can probably afford to come off it for possibly a bit longer you know that speaks i think it speaks volumes actually mm. and should probably give it i I'd, I'd i'd like to give it a go just to I, see. I flirt
0: with the idea of it and my girlfriend and i talk about it a lot and my girlfriend who is not not in the world of social media and and content creation you know, she she is very much aware of what i do and how it all works but the the kind of explanation of the processes behind why so much time is spent on certain platforms to do certain things is like explaining quantum physics to somebody that has no interest in it It's boring like, it doesn't make any sense why would you do that it's boring mm. <laughs> and it, it's it, but it is this we sometimes feel this compulsion to just keep at it like there's this god if i stop doing that then the algorithm's going to drop and i'm going to lose followers and therefore i'm not going to be able to direct people through to the content that i've made which is therefore going to withdraw from earnings and it's just and none of it actually matters you know mm. like there's that that brilliant pub billboard that somebody took a photo of once upon a time that said what if one day they delete Instagram and you're not a model anymore and everyone goes oh my god you know imagine that that horrible scenario but then I think god wouldn't that be nice you know wouldn't that wouldn't that just actually be quite nice if someone just turned it off and we had no there was nothing we could do about it you go oh well it's yeah. a bit like when it crashes you know if someone so often Instagram crashes you can't upload a story and there's this bit of you that goes oh god but I need to promote the thing that I've done <laughs> and then you think God damn it! I wanted Do to I? post
1: a picture of my cappuccino. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. It's, it's not looking as good
0: now. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> all the latte art's
2: faded.
1: Oh, I'm, oh damn! I'm going to have to drink it. Yeah. <laughs> I saw, I, there was a brilliant. I don't know if you guys ever saw it, and it was like a short skit of these people going round, and they were like the like the Instagram police or something, and they were going round to basically knocking on people's doors, going, "Are you John Markoff, 40 whatever? <laughs> sorry, not that. You're good grief, sorry, 30 something." <laughs> You, John Mark I thought it Stratford, I Avon. Yes. Um, you commented on a boxing match five years ago saying that <laughs> he had a glass jaw and you could have took him down with one, uh, one arm, he went, yeah, yeah, that was me. Well, he's actually here right now <laughs> if you want to give it a go. <laughs> And it was going around and put, like calling these people out. And I, th- t- The point being, so many of these people wouldn't for a minute think about saying anything publicly to your face no, or no, anything no. like that, because they're quite happily sat behind a screen... And there's no comeback, no. you know. And well, that's exactly
0: it. And that, there, that's, that's the answer to your question. Well, there there your, is, but there's a, also two angles to it, which I, and again, I think back to the conversation I had with Mike Fernie, who who gave a brilliant analysis to this. Mike has the luxury of he has an editing team. Um, and in fact, a team that will also look after the upload of YouTube. They will look after the initial comments. They will they will kind of monitor everything. Um, so he says, and a video will get uploaded if he features in it or stars in it, it'll get uploaded. And he he won't look at it for the first Few days. He won't look at the video, he won't look at the comments, he won't look at any of that. And after a few days, he'll go back and look at the top 10 comments because that sort of self regulates. The mm. top 10 are the ones that matter. So he'll read those top 10. That's where he'll get his feedback from because anything beyond that is just tripe most of the time. And anything that's negative and potentially quite scathing, he, in his words, which I think he put brilliantly, and I hadn't thought of it like this before, we as humans are not designed to process that level of feedback instantly. We're not. We're just in no other walk of life for our evolution as human beings. Have we ever been in an environment where somebody can personally attack you on something that you've made through your own creation? Because, again, this is something that a lot of people forget. This is a very creative industry. And when we create things, it's a very emotional thing that we've made. We sit there with pride in editing suites going, hmm no, that could be better. I'll spend an extra two hours making it look even better or sound even better. And therefore, that's the product that goes out. So by the time that product goes out, it is something that most of the time, if you're doing it properly, you are quite proud of. And then when somebody comes along and says, oh, a bit old to be wearing Converse, mate, you go, oh, for God's sake. <laughs> yeah. Because you're yeah. you, you know, you're like, I've, I have put my heart and soul into this. And you've just come along and poo-pooed my video by describing the shoes I wear. But then There are two ways of looking at it as well, because again, another conversation I had with a family member recently, we were talking about this and they said, well, what about if somebody came up to you, let's say you're waiting for the tube in London or you're standing at a train station and somebody walked up to you and went, sorry, mate aren't you a bit old to be wearing Converse? You'd laugh at that. Yeah, I'd be like, <laughs> maybe I am actually, yeah. And, and you'd have a little laugh. And that, you wouldn't think about it beyond that. But for some reason, because it's been put onto something that you've created, something that you're proud of, something that's taken some of your creative energy to make, for some reason it makes a difference. And that's the bit that I'm fascinated by. And I'd love to eventually at some point really pick apart this bizarre world of psychology behind content creation and why we feel the way we do over certain things because you're right not everyone's affected by it some people just go whatever don't care but there are a lot of us that are like oh actually that that hurts (laughs) um and it's something i still don't understand i think it's something that's very very complex with multiple layers and perhaps someday we will have an episode where we sit down with somebody and go why do our brains work the way they do in this field specifically who
2: knows very interesting, very interesting. Uh, no, I, yeah fair play that i never thought of it in that way and um yeah mike's obviously very intelligent because that's he is he's, yeah. he's pulled it apart and 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 yeah i've, I've never really broken it down like that mm. but you're so yeah so yeah. true and he will be listening because he's an avid listener so hi mike yeah hi mike, hi, mike. <laughs> yeah he's lovely i'm I, well, i've only met
0: him a couple of times but yeah really a, nice guy he's a top and, guy uh, yeah yeah perfect right well a little later than i planned we're going to cut to our advert break now uh we're going to have a quick break and um, why don't you do the same go put your feet up perhaps you're going to listen to this in two parts go and do what you need to do for the day and then come back for part two where we'll try and make things a bit more light-hearted and fun because that's what we do best yeah Yay, Yay. <laughs> <laughs> the, the break in that the voice nice, there was yeah. perfect i promise you joe's not crying it did sound a bit like he was hey, hey. Uh, back in a moment The Driven Chat Podcast. We're back in the room. Welcome back from your very brief break, which was probably about half a second long. Right, I promised you for the second half of our conversation, we're going to try and make it a bit more lighthearted, and and we'll do exactly that. One of the things I I wanted to ask you, actually, off the bat in part one was, what have you driven here today in?
2: I have driven here today in my BMW (gasps) long-termer, which is the new G87 M2. Oh, interesting. Long-termer M2, good work.
0: How long have you got that for?
2: Uh, four months. Nice. Lovely. Yeah. Um. So yeah, it's a manual as well. Yeah. Manual with bucket seats, which seems to be a big. Um, uh, well, people are talking about that on the internet, saying that they're not really mm-hmm. compatible because the bucket seats have got the. Am I allowed? Am I allowed to, I allowed to yeah, describe it as the carbon codpiece holder?
0: <laughs> that's absolutely fine. Yes, yeah. yeah. I think that's
1: what it's on the it's on the website. Is that? Isn't
0: it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, yes. Um. And so this is the issue where to use a clutch pedal you're yep. sorry a,
1: a what a clutch pedal. oh yeah people might not know no. yeah people might not know so there's me. another pedal in the old in the olden days <laughs> can we just remind our audience that we're born i don't know post 2000 there was this thing we used to do where we used to change yeah. gear
0: in the car on our own it was unbelievable wild absolutely wild and if we get it wrong oh yes (laughs) but more on that later oh no (laughs) (laughs) i just knew that was going (laughs) i wasn't planning to i thought you said this
2: the second half was going to be like yeah yeah true upbeat upbeat
0: um so yeah so you've got the you've got the little um so for anyone that doesn't know what we're talking about i guess it's designed for a harness strap isn't it exactly sits in the middle of the bucket seat between your legs yeah so gentlemen between your legs it's very firm isn't it carbon yeah and if you're of any height i can't think of anyone tall short whatever shape where you wouldn't have an encounter with your most tender spot frequently whilst both getting in and out of the car but then also shifting gears aggressively
2: yeah it's it's a strange so they're the optional carbon bucket seats that are available on the current m2 m3 and m4 Mm. um i have to say as a seat when you're in them they are unbelievably good Mm -hmm. comfortable very supportive Uh, getting in and out of them like so many uh, it's always a it's a it's it's always a toss-up between practicality and and uh you know and 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 what they do i guess isn't it like a really good bucket seat is really difficult to get in and out of Mm. uh and that kind of sits halfway between but then when you factor in a set of manual three pedals that are offset because i mean people complain about the g87 having offset pedals but actually i mean your car was a left-hand drive wasn't it your z3 Mm. yes but i mean right hand drive manual m cars at least in my lifetime for the past 20 years they've always had really offset pedals yeah uh but when you factor in a seat that's facing forward (laughs) quite you know and your legs are, are kind of fixed in these positions then it's definitely more noticeable but uh for anyone that is listening can't be bothered to watch any of my videos around it All I can say is the first 20 minutes, it's a bit like, oh, you you know it's there. Mm. But after that, like driving down here today, you don't even think about it. Like it's just, you just, it just naturally happens. But there is a caveat to that. Uh, Mm. I think if you've got longer legs, I've got, I've got, I'm quite lanky. So I sit further away from the pedals. So the the angle is less than if I was sitting a lot closer to the pedals, uh-huh. where my my left leg would be at more of an angle and therefore touching the carbon codpiece holder a little <laughs> a little bit more. There we go. So there's a little this bit is, of science around that. This is
1: the. useful consumer <laughs> advice. It is. If you are six foot three and above... You're okay. You're absolutely fine. Yeah. If you're vertically challenged like myself, don't bother.
0: Yeah, that's It's going to be sore. Yeah, get the auto. Yeah. yeah. So how are you getting on with the M2? Because it's, it's a car that is... Caused, as it, as every BMW M car of late has caused, it has caused a bit of controversy, both from the styling point of view. It's obviously brilliant that there is a manual option here in the UK. I think I'm correct in saying it's the only BMW M car we can get as a manual now. Yep. I don't yep. think we can get anything And else you pay good. more for it as well. Yes, which also. Is bizarre, isn't it? But, yeah. Um, that seems to be a thing that people are happy to comply with. Talk to me first about the styling, because like we did discuss this in the G8082 82 m3 m4 in our last conversation was still the new that was the new car just launched we had both seen it i think in the flesh but most people hadn't and we said it's much better in the flesh don't worry about the photographs they are weirdly angled it it's it's a legit thing um there has been a similar response to the new m2 uh when i saw it for the first time i thought it looked like a jeff Koons sculpture like a balloon dog that was like somehow it'd been <laughs> inflated and they'd just gone Ah, uh, we'll leave it like that do you like the way that it looks? Are you are um, decided? I mean, I describe it as a Lego car. Okay. Because it looks
2: a bit like an aggressive piece of Lego. Yeah. does, doesn't it? It's got yeah, those
1: like, yeah. extra bits sticking out of it and stuff.
2: <laughs> yeah, especially and that's before those horrible in-performance bits are thrown. All, I mean, we've probably all seen one of those uh, with all the, the wing and the canards and all this. I mean, it just looks like it's gone straight through ebay and is there, out the is there other an side. addition
0: that's got like four exhausts in the center of the yes. car is
2: that a bmw thing that's a yeah so that's an official m performance wow. exhaust system uh, last time I checked, it was about seven and a half grand. <laughs> oh um, my lord! But for that, yeah, you get you, <laughs> you get the rear end. I mean, the rear it looks horrendous in my opinion. It, <laughs> it basically sounds the same because of how strict all the restrictions are of these course, days. Yeah. So, so you're paying seven and a half grand to even yeah to ruin the, the rear end of your M2. Um, I mean, yeah, good luck to you.
1: <laughs> I remember seeing that at the that BMW training thing that I did a few oh weeks yeah, ago with the yeah. tor- M3 Touring and the and the M2. Yeah. And this M2 was parked up in the car park and I thought, "Oh, like Mansory or something has already had a go <laughs> yeah, this. Exactly I was that. like, "What's going on here?" And then someone went, "No, no, no. No, that's straight out the BMW factory." I was wow. like, "What?" Yeah. I couldn't believe
2: it. And and it's a problem. It's um it's something that so I've I've got a lot of contacts at dealership level and i found out that this was going on with the M3 and M4 in 21, 22 probably said is they can't sell any the, I, I don't know what's happening with the m performance stuff because m must stand for marketing nothing else mm. and and performance there's there, none of those parts offer any performance whether it's extra sound Extra speed in terms mm. of suspension. Back in the day, you'd you'd get M performance coilovers, you'd yeah, get an exhaust yeah. that sounded much better, you'd get wheels that were half the weight of this. Now it's not. It's just yeah, all no. aesthetics, but it's not aesthetics because they're aesthetically awful. So you're paying a lot of money. That whole kit is twenty grand for the M2. So you can spend a hundred grand on the new M2 if you want. Grand. And and so basically, so guess what happens? They don't sell any because. You Know there's very few people out there that have got that little taste. So, what do BMW Germany stipulate? This is gonna be, this, is gonna hit me so many favors, isn't it? Uh, so they so they force dealerships not just in the UK, I found that it happens all over Europe and probably in places like Australia. They then basically force BMW UK to send out entire kits to every single dealership around the UK. So, I think there's 350 dealers in the UK or something like mm-hmm. that. Each dealership. <laughs> He's very kindly sent this kit that they're obliged to pay for. Wow. <laughs> so then that kit ends up on their demo car. And then the demo car is the only one that doesn't sell. It's the one that's sitting in the showroom <laughs> that they then have to the discount. And someone. So it's. A, but that, that way they can go, oh, yeah, we've sold 350 of those kits in the UK. Well, you haven't. You've right. sent them out to dealerships that have to accept them. And they can't sell them. And they can't sell them. So that's. And, and, and it's a vicious circle, really, because. It then makes, and I know again from from speaking to people, very reliable sources at dealership level, it makes them despise the end performance mm. because they they know it's coming all the time. They're going to get sent a kit of some description for something, and they don't like it because it's going to ruin their demo. It's going to make it unsellable. It's going to, fu- and so it's rather than actually making stuff that people want, because people love to. The first thing most people do that I know that buy these new cars, they'll go somewhere like Motec or whatever. Mm. puts They'll put things on it that will make it aesthetically look a bit better. They should be going to BMW before it even gets collected and asking for these bits, but they're just not tasteful yeah. and yeah. they don't do anything. And so they've really got that wrong. But anyway, I've gone off on a bit of a tangent there, but I can't, yeah, M Performance
0: really, oh, makes me like, makes I, me itch. I hadn't <laughs> thought of the whole, like, and again, your um, comparison to, performance parts of yesteryear you're absolutely bang on you could get bigger breaks and i guess maybe yeah. things like carbon ceramic might be the only component now which is possibly an option that would actually give weight and performance benefits but otherwise that i can't really think of any others that do i'd love somebody to do maybe this is an idea for some content for you joe uh, an actual comparison of, here, here is the tick list of what you can get. Let's see what's actually physically lighter. Because I'm sure all this information is available. You don't even need to buy the parts. You can yep. find the information online. Are the M Performance wheels lighter or heavier? Oh, they're all the, or, or the same weight. Is the M Performance exhaust lighter, heavier, or the same weight? Actually work through it all. Go, right, so you could spend 20 grand on it. And it is, in fact, either exactly the same weight or possibly... Because it's big and glitzy and glamorous and huge, heavier, heavier, yeah. <laughs> which is, I gen, I'd be genuinely fascinated to have a look, and it, I'd be, it, I wonder, I'd love to hear those stats as well. From again, you might have them from the dealers that go, you know, how many people are actually walking in and going, yes, I want the end performance exhaust or wheels or anything i'd be fascinated to learn how many are walking in and going yes or no
1: but it's strange that they go down that route isn't it because when you look at you know things like when like s models of vehicles started to come out or like a you know like a facelift or a gt or something slightly above the standard car they always do really really well yep because they're often done quite tastefully you know it could be like dark uh wear or so, something quite subtle that makes quite an impact on the car but whereas that M performance way of doing things just seems to be make it look really really loud mm. and actually people don't like it that much.
2: No, no. Yeah, I
1: think there's a limit, isn't there? Yeah. And if you've got that kind of money, most people you'd think
2: they'd have some level of taste, but um, but yeah, it's quite. But even yeah, the wheel things. Another you've got the M performance wheels, which I believe are a bit lighter, but they're so they're an inch bigger, so the tire profile's a lot lower, which doesn't work. That's not that motorsport. Doesn't sport. work. Yeah, especially. On our fantastic roads yeah, that we drive, because you right. drive anything with low, like, tiny tires, and yet just skips across the surface everywhere. And even further than that, uh, you get so the M2 out there. That's on the standard staggered 19-inch, 20-inch on the rear axle. Uh, sorry, not 18, uh, 19 and 20. Yeah, 19. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's got, uh, and this isn't because I'm a Michelin brand ambassador. But it's got PS4S tires, which are fantastic, ultra Brilliant performance tires. tires. Yeah. Yep. Great in the wet and the dry. Uh, but they're star marked, so they're homologated for that M car, right? Uh-huh. Not just that M car, it's the same tyres that are on the M3 and M4. But Michelin and BMW have spent a lot of money homologating that PS4S to work with the BM, right? Mm. And I know uh, Jonathan Benson, tyre reviews, he's tested the star mark versus the non star marked on, on an M3, I think it was a couple of years ago, and he said the difference was massive, even though on the face of it, they look the same, looks like the same tread pattern, etc. Yeah. So so you've got this homologated special Michelin tire on that car. As soon as you go up to the in performance wheels you can no longer, they come on, I don't know, various mixed tyres, Pirellis or Yokohamas, whatever. And I'm not saying that any of them are, are bad tyres, but they're no longer homologated specific tyres for that car. No. So, so you're not, you're it's, literally, it's just you're like... You're losing so
1: much. You're yeah. losing so and much. Has, so, <laughs>
0: Miles, as you may or may not be aware, is an ex-vehicle dynamics engineer a very large OEM manufacturer and it must be fascinating to hear that from you know, that was your job ultimately for a long time was making sure that these performance parts that were going on or even just standard OEM parts that were going on to any car that's being produced yeah can we say which manufacturer yeah yeah Bentley um did the
1: job well exactly that and you know that like you to your point the amount of work and money and effort and all-season testing yeah that would go into making those tires work with that car that suspension setup et cetera, et cetera, et cetera was profound and what do you know it works when it all comes mm. together Madness. and so much so much work goes into it and then all of that work is essentially it's pulled, undone down, drain. Yeah. yeah all yeah. that work is undone we spoke about it with with Ben uh string theory yeah, yeah 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 he he you know he speaks about it tirelessly like we do um yeah yeah i just don't see why on earth you would do it and and incidentally i drove i spent the last week in a uh mclaren gt yep which is quite i would i would argue an uncelebrated car Mm. certainly in the uk and you don't see them really anywhere but it's a fantastic road car like a really 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 good road car and mclaren i don't know how i still don't really know how they achieve it but even in their you know super ultimate series like the 720s and all that kind of thing are remarkably comfortable on the mm, road it's fantastic a, i, I yeah. just don't know i don't know how it's like wizardry um but the gt is like another step again you know and it's a car where you get and they you, you know you can change it you can go to sport track all that kind of thing and you can just make, basically make it worse for the road but you think where do people spend most of the time driving these cars well it's on the road yeah so yep. i'd like it to be a good road car yeah
2: yeah yeah, yeah. I would kind of skipped over. I hadn't actually talked. I'll just. I was going to ask you actually with the M2. What is
0: yeah? What yeah. do you think? What are your driving uh, impressions of it?
2: So yeah, as you say, it's got the styling. Okay, styling aside, we've all got different tastes. I don't think it's. I remember the first time I walked up to it. In fact, I was really lucky. I got to drive the pre-production car at the Salzburg Ring, so it was in camo, etc. Nice, but you couldn't judge the way it looked at all. Uh, it was very tatty, even interior. It was a properly used and abused uh, prototype. Uh, Then I saw the first car in the studio in Munich. um, I can't remember, maybe summertime last year or something. And it took me a while to digest it um, and understand it because I think the F87, the predecessor to it, uh, is such a pretty car. Um, It's
0: it's a beautiful car. It's a
2: beautiful car, but it's, it's somehow it's one of the very few modern cars that is pretty. And aggressive looking, mm. I think it, it. You know, it's got the got the shoulders. It's it just looks. It looks like it means business. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, it's pretty and people can appreciate it. It's not over the top. Uh, whereas the new one, it, the new one, it, I can't see any angle or any way of describing it as pretty because I don't think it is pretty. Uh, but I think. Uh, when you do walk up to it or you see some on the road, whether it's from the front or from the back, they are really wide. Mm. They've got a big stance to them because they're 11 centimetres shorter wheelbase than, say, an M4. But they're exactly the same width. Yeah. So ha- ha- an M4 maybe does look a bit sleek and longer, a bit more slender. And it is the same platform, isn't it? Same platform, yeah. yeah. So they've just literally uh, shortened the wheelbase. But they've done a lot to it. Speaking to the engineers, when I went to the launch in Arizona this year, um, that they, they, they tried to make it work on the same platform uh, with the wheelbase from like the, the regular 2 Series Coupe uh, but they very quickly realised that widening the track on the rear because I think they used the rear end of the 2 Series Coupe it was too flexy so they had to re-underneath uh, the C-pillars there's all they had the actual components there, or this beautiful bit of milled aluminium. Mm. And they had to basically add all these beautiful uh, pieces, you would understand it, but, but these beautiful sculptured pieces that hide b- behind the C pillar. Uh, that basically give the whole rear end of the car a lot more stiffness and wow. strength. Mm. Um, which you could appreciate. And it's a bit to someone like me, it's like, oh, okay, so they have actually there's stuff going on underneath yeah. the skin. It's not just a bit of this and a bit of that, a part spin car. Um, but it, so it's it's a really it, it it's a special piece of kit. It's a heavy car, seventy five kilos heavier than the predecessor, but it's it people complain about weight and people jump on things very quickly cars are heavy two weeks ago i went to the nurberg ring with the 1m and the new m2 mm. we went out there to do a few bits of filming the 1m was 1500 kilos right yeah. which uh 10 years ago was quite a lot of weight now we look at it and go oh, that's that's not too bad mm. but actually when you park the cars next to each other you think the 1m is 1500 kilos that manual m2 1700 kilos so it's 200 kilos more so Uh, just over 10% more. When you look at the size difference and you factor in what the M2 has got in it compared to the stripped-out 1M, Mm. you suddenly, you know, all the pedestrian safety, all the things that manufacturers get stitched up with these OPF filters that are apparently saving the planet, but all they're doing is adding extra weight that we cart around and then destroy (laughs) the planet with. Anyway, all this stuff, when you look at it, you're actually... You know what? That like that's only two hundred kilos heavier than the one M, which was yeah, when you yeah. jump in the one M, it's like there's nothing in here. You know, it's yeah. all stripped up. So it's a heavy car, but as a road car, it feels great. It's more playful than the M3 and the M4, and I think that's just down to the fact that the wheelbase is shorter. So just like the predecessor, it does feel a bit more playful on the road. Mm-hmm. Not snappy. It's very progressive. It feels great. Um, but like so many modern cars and sports cars, I find anyway at normal speeds it's quite boring it just mm. it does everything and i i mean boring in a good way in the sense that it does everything so well and effortlessly yes. that you forget you're in a special car until you decide to find your favorite road on a sunday morning and there's no one around it's safe to give it a bit of a kick in and then it comes alive mm. but how many times can you do that with a car that's got 285 and 275 section modern day tires on it make that move around on the road safely not many so then you think okay out on track it feels great but then it's that's when the weight plays and then you do two or three laps and temperatures are through the roof so yeah it's kind of like i feel sorry for manufacturers today because they've got so many stipulations and, and things to adhere to like the, the, the sound or safety etc et etc cetera, et cetera. it's very difficult to make something of that size i think that's gonna tick all these boxes mm-hmm. but I think as a package it's a brilliant brilliant piece of kit it's so capable it's unbelievable um but yeah that one's so-
0: Six, no that was 76 grand oh, that's a lot of money isn't that's it bunch Se- of money. 76 yeah. grand for, for a two series yeah um, and, but you're, you're so right about what you say with the to you're making a, a car engaging and fun with all the other components and I have a, I had a similar conversation recently about the GR Yaris which is still in the grand scheme of things a massively affordable performance car very very unusual little thing fantastic driver's car and for the vast majority of people that are going to get in that car and drive it they will think it's the best thing ever best thing since sliced bread greatest car they've ever driven but for those of us that really really like to drive and there may be some people that throw things at me for this i think to get the to truly get the best out of that car you need to be doing the most illegal speeds that you could ever imagine doing and i'm sure because i've not driven an m2 yet i've not driven the new the new model at all I'm sure it's going to be the same as that. And you know, a friend of mine's got a GI Aris and said, you yeah, take it for a rip, see what you think." I think it's incredible, and I and I did, and I drove it. And I thought, well, yeah, it's good, but to the point where it feels like it's me doing the driving. I'm like, I might as well just drive to the police station, hand in my license, and <laughs> yeah. go. Can you just take that away because yeah. I'm going to kill somebody? Um, and I think it is such a shame. And perhaps, you know, perhaps we're the minority of people that want to drive cars at their limit and want to get the most out of a car. Perhaps. It's the same reason that nobody cares or people seemingly don't care if an M-Performance product is heavier or the same weight than the non-M-Performance product. Perhaps it's the same reason that we don't see M-Performance engines anymore. Engines that are created specifically for particular models of car. That is no longer a thing, sadly. Whereas if we think back to only the E92 M3 e46 m3 anything prior to that the engines were were made for those specific models and you know given individual throttle bodies and there were departments and offices and entire engineering teams just for that power plant and nothing more yeah and now it's oh uh platform yeah it's that platform so let's give it that engine that's also in five other models including an x3 and we'll put (laughs) it out on the road and then it's done you know nobody's going to care we'll know the difference and it's like no, it's people, a shame.
1: Do, people do notice. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, I had a really interesting conversation with a friend of mine the other day. He's just taken delivery of the new uh, GT Cayman GT4. Oh, yeah. Obviously a brilliant car. Mm. However, um, like besotted with the car, thinks it's brilliant. List goes on. Obviously, we we all know it's a fantastic car. However, he then drove um, uh, another mutual friend of ours just standard Cayman S Mm. from like the first generation, like like whatever the the model name was Um, (laughs) and sort of drove them on the same bit of road and go out and went, Oh,
0: that's really good. Actually, (laughs) Have I just had my pants pulled down? (laughs) Yeah, Yeah.
1: Because such what the level of enjoyment that you could achieve on the road and the driving pleasures that he took away from it on that same stretch of road, that car delivered on pretty much everything Mm. bar maybe a a couple of percent here and there and it's just it i just find that a really interesting like paradox really because you've got what's you know builders being one of the best road cars and possibly even a track car at the moment the gt4 um but again it's a hundred thousand hundred thousand pound car now Mm. um what's the rate of progression? Have we actually accidentally taken a step back by making the car so capable Mm. such that actually we don't really feel like we can extract, you know, that little extra bit out of the car without having a monumental accident or like you say, handing your license into the police forever?
0: I had a chat recently with somebody who who was in a very, very fortunate financial position and said, uh, I'm really keen on the new GT4. I think I've got an allocation. I think I'm going to buy one. And I said, well, what are you buying it for? Are you buying it to actually use it as a track day car and he said yeah i'm going to use it as a track day car I'm going to drive it properly to do all the things i want it to do um and to cut a very long story short we actually established by the end of our conversation that i said if you actually want the car that's going to be incredible for you and potentially save yourself a bit of money as well go and get the first generation gt4 cayman which incidentally is one of the cars that bonded you and i joe yeah. on a road trip to bosnia <laughs> That's a true story. Okay. That is a true story. That's another podcast. Um, that is, yeah.
1: um, is this the, is that after the watershed? That one?
0: <laughs> no, I mean it was fairly. Yeah, it was fairly clean. It was just. Yeah, uh, yeah it was quite interesting that. Uh, yeah we we met Joe and I to again going off on a tangent but Joe and I met essentially on a road trip organized by our mutual friend Tim Burton not the film director the youtube um content creator the uh, more famous one the more famous <laughs> yeah. one yeah the one with more youtube subscribers uh, and uh, yeah tim gave us a fleet of uh, cars ferrari ff um 675 lts yes uh, d- feel like uh, there was a BMW M2 and the Cayman GT4, which was the first generation, which my brain has failed because I can't think what it is. 981. 981. Um, and we were both kind of like, we'd not met each other really. We knew of each other, but hadn't really met. And then we were getting into hotel lobbies and like still doing that polite getting to know you thing. And then I think within, you know, we, we'd had. Um, half a shandy and gone oh my god but isn't that gt4 absolutely amazing oh god, my head's going to explode with how brilliant it is yeah. uh, but it, because of that experience and i've driven a couple since i've essentially sold that car to so many people. So don't, don't bother going to buy the new one. Don't bother, There's just no point. If you're going to use it properly and drive it hard and you're going to worry about the depreciating value because you're putting miles on your car, just go and get one that's already done 50,000 miles. Yep. It's going to be incredible. It's going to be just as amazing on track. And if anything, probably a little bit better because it will feel lighter it'll feel more sprightly. It's going to feel amazing. They are just so incredible. It still is on that list of things of when I finally make some money, I will go and buy myself a nine eight one GT four without yeah. a doubt. I walk straight I walk past the GT three and go straight to the GT four. It, it's a special car, isn't mm. it? It's,
2: it's and it's uh, yeah. That trip's always left me with a, a scar, but a good scar of that car. Whenever I see one, I'm just like you. But th- th- sometimes older cars you 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 know life moves on and then you look back and you're like oh i used to think that was amazing but i don't yes. it like, doesn't but now i it's what, the other way with that car every time i see one i'm like oh my god the proportions are just That's spot on thing. it's just such a such a magic car but yeah it's it's a whole modern and going back quickly to that uh when i had the one m and m2 in germany two weeks ago uh we had some fantastic roads where we were filming where we could maybe go a little bit quicker because there was nothing on them mm. um and uh and again, on the M2, oh, okay, one day it rained a bit, so you could get it to move around a bit. But when you got, at least in my my talent, when I got near the limits, I was like, I shouldn't be going near these limits on the road, even though there's nothing around. Whereas in the 1M, with everything off, you had to really respect that car. Mm. And it had yeah, modern yeah, yeah. tyres, Pilot Super Sports on it, and they were pretty fresh. But still, it just didn't matter. It was, it was a bit snappy, a bit edgy, but... And even at slower speeds, it felt far more, let's say, uh, um, alive. But you got out of it as a result, going on the road. This is going. Yeah. Oh, that yeah. was wicked! Like it was a re- it kept me on my toes. The experience was good. Whereas the M2, to 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 do the same, even though it's what ten years newer, it was just a whole different level of performance. And when you factor that into a road car. It's then the whole level more of danger and, you know, for yourself and others around you or whatever. And so to get any kind of thrill as someone who likes driving, the older car just was alive. You know, it maybe it wasn't, it didn't handle as well. It, it had all these weird, it felt like it wanted to bite you everywhere, but. Yeah. That was exciting. Yeah, um, yeah, Not to the extreme that your Z3M probably
0: felt, but probably
2: not far <laughs> off, actually.
0: <laughs> probably a little wilder, a, a, a bit too far on the scale of wild, which is ultimately why, it's, why I ended up selling it, because it got to the point where I was like, I'm driving this on the road, and I do love driving it on the road, but this isn't going to go well. At some point, it's, I'm, not cl- I'm not talented enough to drive this car at its limit, certainly not on the road, because that would be very naughty. It would. We've all been there. We have. Yes. We have. Um, so, M2, tick that off, at least. It's only taken us 29 minutes to talk <laughs> about <laughs> what you've driven here in. Um, are there any other standout cars? I appreciate. I, I realise we've, we've been quite heavy on the uh, Bavarian Motorworks chat, um, which I think was always going to happen. But any other cars, um, makes, models that have jumped out to you that have really surprised you, and especially modern-day cars, that you've kind of got out of and gone. Oh, do you know what? That is actually a brilliant thing. Um, I I think there are a few. There's always
2: cars I forget when friends or whatever. If I'm on a podcast and people ask me. I'm always <laughs> like, I get home, I go, oh, I didn't talk about that. Uh, there was there was one that actually uh, that's a really good car. Um, it it and it's a Seat uh, Leon. Okay, I, I'm going to get the name wrong because mm-hmm. I got it wrong. I think in the video when I filmed it back at the end of 2021, actually. Sayat Leon Cooper ST, which means estate or wagon. In oh, there, oh yeah, yeah yeah, um, yeah, yeah. They did. It was a run out one just before. I don't
0: know what Cooper are doing now. I've just, I, I, I really don't. know. Sayat, I like... don't know if, if you're right, the Sayat is dead now. Uh, is it? So they're as kidding. of this week, so the week of recording this, which is the 5th of September. Sayat uh as a brand is is being killed certainly in the uk i don't know if it's going to stay in spain where okay. there's still a lot of um loyal um patriots buying the buying the mark because they think it's a spanish brand a bit like elderly people buying mgs here in the uk yep. but uh yeah here in the uk say i've actually killed off the brand so they're now only going to be producing cupra
2: okay oh well that's yeah i don't know i don't know the direction cooper is going in uh, I mean that's just the car industry in yeah. a nutshell, I think. But um but going back to 2021 when when at worst, still around and and they you know their 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 hot models were always the Cooper, weren't they? The yeah, Leon yeah. Cooper. And so they did this one, it was a run out, it was a Cooper Leon like uh, ST it was a tuned by apt, right? Which oh, yeah. on the face of it you'd be like, oh yeah, it's like in performance badge yeah. or something. But it's actually, it's got a noisy nice exhaust and that's it. Exactly. Yeah. But actually this thing was a proper proper bit of kit so it was so not only did it look good because it was like the Leon wagon which w- in Cooper form looked good anyway but this one was just a bit more enhanced it just looked a bit wider had a few extra bits on it but not over the top it was still subtle enough to fly under the radar um, but it had massive so it had it had the Brembo brakes from the RS3 so it had the RS3 brake kit, but apted basically tuned. So it was it was a it was a Golf R wagon under underneath. Yeah, yeah, of course. But they made it super playful and really. I mean, its handling dynamics were unreal. When you walked up to it, you could just see the front axle. That you could see the negative camber. Yeah. And this is like a family wagon. So you walk up to it and you and it had proper lovely beautiful Alcantara bucket seats in it. They they tuned it. So I think base it was 300, was the car was based on, like the Goldfire at the time. But this was 380. People that put them on dynos were getting over 400 out of it. Um, uh, You know, the the gearbox, the mapping on the gearbox was completely different, really fast, really snappy. Um, But the most important thing, suspension change, So it had the most supple feeling. It was one of those suspensions that you're like, oh, this feels great, but what's it going to be like when you put it into a corner? Mm. And then you put it into a corner, you're like, Oh my god, yes. it's so support. You know, it's a like a proper suspension setup, and I just I had that car for a week, and I absolutely fell in love with it. And, and I remember at the time, now I think they brought in fifty units to the UK or hundred units. They're forty grand, which back then, now you'd bite someone's arm off for it. But back then, forty grand was you know that's a lot of money. You buy an M two for forty six or seven or whatever, but um they all sold out, and they've actually started going. I've been watching them, I'm watching the used ones, and they're all a bit above they're all about 42 44 grand still used but and that's i think that says volumes for something Mm. that essentially had a say it badge on it yeah that's gone up in money it was such a brilliant car and and somehow it combined something that usually doesn't work it's it was a brilliant sharp focused amazing dynamic car but yet when you put it into drive and you just Lou and I took it to Wales and you're just cruising along the motorway sitting there at like twelve hundred RPM and it it's just it's it's comfortable and mm. it was such an amazing package and still to this day that really stands out and it's a really unusual it's a car that most people you'd never get. No one's ever going to say that on your podcast again. No, it's like one of those things. You're like, oh, maybe I need to go and have a look at that. whatever. but that was a real standout car and something that I've I've I really enjoyed and didn't want to give back. Um, and I think something more recently uh, would probably have to be uh, that we touched upon it earlier on the the 992 GT3 touring. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Although I think if if push came to shove, I would get the GT3 because then, you know, you got the aero and you can take it on track and, mm. en- and and enjoy that aspect of it. But I just like the touring because it's subtle. It's yeah, exactly it's... what M Performance isn't. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, it's yeah. like, I've got a GT3, but I'm going to take everything off it. And mine would probably be debadged as well. and Because I don't need to shout about it. Those who know will know. And otherwise... Exactly. And it was just such a... And with the manual box, it had the carbon buckets, which a pretty hardcore in those, in the 992 or the Porsches and the 911s, I think as an everyday seat, but that car was just, it was silver with silver wheels, uh, uh, clear glass all round. It was just... The perfect spec. It, it really was. And it was the subtle, it was really subtle in some some aspects, but not obviously in others. Um, but what a fantastic car and that engine. And But again, to exploit any of that car's performance or the new GT3's yeah. performance... Yeah. You need to either be on track or take it abroad. Yeah. But yeah, anyway, yeah, those two, those two cars, that would be, that would actually be a really good two car garage.
0: Uh. Yeah, and it's good, uh, both examples of stealth wealth. Stealth wealth, yeah, I love that yeah. term so much. Yeah, but and it's dead. and it's one of those cars again that to the average driver, Okay, some people to, to a non petrol head might look at a Porsche 911 and go, oh, Porsche 911, and assume it's a million pounds. Yes, but to the vast majority, they'll go. Eh, Porsche 911, say it a state. Yes. And that's it. That's the that's the only thought they'll give to it. Yeah. And I love cars like this. The reason I love the uh, M5. Because again, most people look at it and go, hmm, five series. Just a five series. Big wheels, five yeah. series. Cool. Yeah. And um, yeah, I just, yeah, brilliant answers. And again, that, that's yeah. another one, M5CS.
2: Oh, yeah. M5CS. I mean, M5 comp's amazing, but the M5CS is just. See oh. the
1: CS is a car that's escaped me so far. I've driven the
2: competition I, yeah,
1: a lot. Likewise, I've oh, exactly the it. same.
2: I've not yet driven a CS. Mm. I think BMW still got one on on, really? on fleet. I'm pretty sure they have. Yeah, oh you've god. got to get one honestly because on again, it's one of those cars that on paper you look at and go, "Well, why are you paying almost twice the money for this, this, and this?" But actually, yeah. when this, this, and this come together, you're like, "Oh my god!" Yeah, it's a yeah. That's that's a special bit of kit as well. Yeah. I know we.
0: I, I I know I said we'd try and steer away from the BMW movement, but is is there a BMW M product at the moment that, let's say, your numbers come up tonight on the Euro Millions that you would go? Actually, I'm going to go and buy one of those. But it has to be a current present model.
2: Um, probably. I mean. We'll probably get onto this, but I I have an M3 touring myself, which is heavily financed. I thought you were about
0: to say I have actually just won the
2: lottery, and <laughs> <laughs> we're going to end this podcast right now and go and get. <laughs> <raced>. <laughs> uh, <laughs> sorry, guys, we're off. Uh, I would probably buy the touring because yeah. it's great car. It's not it's not perfect. It's not brilliant. It's sure. just good. Uh, but I think. Again, the CS. I recently had an F80, F80, G80. So the current, the new one, yeah, M3 CS, and that was a brilliant bit of kit. Yeah. That was a really, really good car, and, and it's it's really weird when well, it's not weird because they do spend a lot of money, uh, and, and time and investment making these these small little models that you might look at on paper and go, oh, it's just a marketing exercise mm. like M performances. Uh, and and you know oh, it can't be worth an extra 45 grand over a normal M3 comp which is already very capable and very good but it really really is like the M- I wouldn't say it's quite as standout as the M- as the m5CS uh, I think that car is just beyond ridiculous mm. but the new m3cs um especially when i'm I'm very used to the new G series platform you know I've had yeah. three of the new m3s got the m2 long term out there i spend a lot of time for pre- other press cars on track on road so i know them very well and they all feel very similar because they're all on the same chassis so when you go to, with the mindset of stepping into the new m3 cs when it turned up i thought okay what's this going to be like the f- second you fire it up you get a different exhaust note because it's titanium back box so you expect that but even things like the idle, it's got a higher idle straight away. So ah. so the S58 sounds different straight away, and it's not just the exhaust. It's something else. You're sitting there going... This sounds a bit more special, and 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 everything about it's got a lighter fly. There's all these little things that mm. they have spent a lot of money changing, like the gearbox software. You know, they always go, "Oh, the ZF eight-speed. Oh, yeah, we've made it quicker." we and I've heard that so many times. It's like, is it quicker? Maybe yeah. it is. In that thing with the in the fastest shift, it's. Crazy. Really, it's really it's like almost dual clutch sort of. I think they might have engineered in a little bit of the old DCT, the kicking the the back, yeah, Yeah. a little bit, but not. It's not like it's not uh, blatantly obvious, but it it adds a little bit of drama, which, as we talked about earlier on with modern cars, they're starting to lack. Yeah. Um. But that's that is a really really good car. Uh, I think if I won the lottery, that that would be that would be a BM that I definitely would get, and I know various customers that have had they've got big m collections and they talked to me a, a lot about it they had one in order when when i did my video on it and they're like am i going to notice the difference i've got an m3 touring at the moment i've got mm. you will you will you will and all of them have contacted me they're like oh my god it is so different to what wow. their regular m3 is um it's a really special car. I think if they ever did, and there is rumours that they're going to do it, if they did an M3 Touring CS... Yeah, I was about to say. Oh, yeah. That would be... I think it's going to happen.
0: One. I think it will happen. It will.
2: Because yeah. you get the feeling all these manufacturers, BMW M, Porsche, all these driver's cars, these manufacturers we love, they're all, with the, the imminent future of what's happening with the car industry, you, you get that they're all just pushing out everything they can now, right? Like yeah. every interesting, let's get yeah. that out. It might not, let's do that... So it's, um, yeah, yeah M3, M3CS is my, is my
0: next 29-minute answer. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> and ideally
0: in touring format. Yes, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, well, let's, let's mention the touring, because yes, I, 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 I almost forgot that you did go out and spend your actual money on a car, um, being the touring. And we, again, have a shared admiration and love for faster state cars. Um, anyone that doesn't get it, you're wrong. Yeah, you just you're just wrong. You're yeah, just, just wrong. Because they're the coolest thing in the world. Yeah. Um what was it about the M3 Touring that made that a car that you wanted to actually go and purchase? I think I've always loved tourings, mm. estates,
2: events, whatever you want to call them. Uh always. I've I've I'm a mountain biker. I I rode and raced mountain bikes for much of my younger life, so I always uh had estates when i could afford them and i love the practicality of it mm-hmm. and i always wanted my dream car was always uh well something like the b7 rs4 which i'm sure we can all yeah. appreciate it's still yeah. one of the awesome best cars out there uh that was like my dream and then the rs6 came in and maybe not the first generation that big silly v10 one came along and it's like oh i want that and just it's just all that performance and madness in something that is relatively subtle, mm-hmm. you know, to most people, to non-car people, it's subtle. Yeah. Um, whereas, you know, but then it's one of those things. Yeah, if you're a car person, you walk past, you know, it's rs six, but yeah. maybe others wouldn't. And that's cool because I don't want people, you know, swooning over my car. But I don't mind if car people walk past and appreciate it, yep. you know, like stealth wealth, stealth wealth, yeah, yeah. yeah. Except no wealth, but yeah, stealth. <laughs> uh, so, so, uh, so when the uh, there was whispers of it, always, you know, we've always wanted an M car. I've always wanted an M car touring because as as good as the Audis have been, apart from the B7 actually, which I think is quite a good driver's car, they've always been a bit numb. They're fast, point to point. Yeah. They're great on the autobahn. They're comfortable. They're great for families, but they're not. The sort of car you get excited about on a Sunday morning drive. No, um, whereas most M cars are. So the the thought of. You know they teased us with the E46. I think they made one prototype, they didn't did, they? Yeah. I mean that just that's just beautiful. And and it never really eventuated. In my head, it was almost like a gentleman's agreement that BMW, Mercedes, and whatever had, or especially let's say uh, BMW and Audi, it was like right, no, you because Audi stopped making the saloons, didn't they? The, mm. the RS4 and the RS6 stopped. It was just Avance. and yep. BMW made the 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 the, the, um, the saloon version. So it was almost like a gentleman's agreement, and I never understood that. Uh, and then until recently, you know, BMW were like, no, we're going to make touring. And I think that was it. It was just like, oh, God, that to me is just the dream. Yeah. Um, and have I used... Well, actually, I was going to say, have I used my touring as a touring? Uh, and I have because we moved house recently. and um, And when we moved, I actually had... Through winter months, I know people are going to feel really sorry for me, but I had, I had an RS6 long-term uh, and, then, and then my M3 Touring. So when we moved house, we actually saved a few quid on, on removal vans initially anyway, because Lou and I were like, you know, we moved into our new neighbourhood, and oh, our new neighbours must have thought we were like millionaires or something it turning up in both of those cars. But, um, but yeah, they're just cool. Uh, they're, they're, they're great things that, that, um, that do pretty much everything. Um, but still, fly under the radar. Yeah, yeah it's do. a good car. Uh,
1: yeah, they. Uh, I spent quite a bit of time in one a few few weeks ago, and I, you know, I spoke. We I spoke about it with John because it was a car that I thought, yeah, brilliant. We've all been waiting for this for a really, really, really long time, mm. and they've finally done it. It's great, um, but to me, it felt like it was like an intermediary for something slightly better because it didn't fit. You know, we talk about the whole M car thing, same as the M two. It doesn't didn't for me feel like an overly special m car it just felt like a very very good three series touring if you know what i mean mm, yep i don't know if that
2: no i totally agree and i think that's why when you asked me earlier on i said i actually think i said the m3 touring is good yeah but not it's not like i don't I, it's, it is missing something uh, but i think the saloon it, oh it's just it <laughs> It's, it's just missing something. And I don't know what it is. I can't put my, my, my hand on it. And I think, as you say, as a, as a normal, like in most scenarios, mine's on about 6,000 miles now. If I had a 330D touring, would it have done everything I've done with that car so far? Yes, probably. I yeah. took a press car out on track around Bedford in February this year before they'd or January before they'd even launched the M3 touring. And it was... An absolute weapon. I mean, that front end on it, as you probably experienced a bit on the road, as a road car, it was just amazing, as the saloon is. So it was no surprise. And that thing around Bedford, honestly, it was a bit of a slippery day as well. There was nothing that could come close to me, you know. And it was like, this is cool. And even the marshals were like, we've never seen an estate. It was a bright, it was... um, What's the blue? Oh, I uh, forget the blue, um, but it was a frozen... Portamau. Portamau blue, yeah. Frozen Portamau blue. And it had just been delivered the day before, so it was clean. And uh, they, they were like, we'd never seen such a fast estate <laughs> car go around Bedford. <laughs> and I was loving it because I was literally... It wasn't it wasn't me or my talent. It was the car and yeah. the traction and how good it was. Um, and But then it's like, how many people were there and Is going to take them on a track day? Probably not many. And, yeah, that's and, it. Um, but yeah, I guess it just tries to... F- tick a lot of boxes and 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 it does a great job at all of them but not a brilliant job at any um i get you yeah and i think yeah and but they're just so expensive i mean that's just i i'm i I get mine at a good rate i've got a very good relationship with the dealership tony lewis big shout out um but i do just question how people are going to afford these soon because Mm. i think monthlies on a normal touring with 15 10 15 grand and you're looking at about 15 to 17 1800 pound a month yeah for for an M3, for yeah. a three
0: series yeah, yeah, yeah for yeah. a three series <laughs> estate it's, it's pretty bonkers three. isn't it i, um, I yeah, it, there's a, f- a fascinating world unfolding at the, as we speak with regards to interest rates and and uh, car financing because again, we've had a we've had cheap money for quite a long time now and yep. it's suddenly not so cheap anymore it's still in the grand scheme of things in my opinion it's still not as as it could be but anybody that thinks aprs are going to drop back down to the rates they were once before i'm sorry to say they're not going it's to it's not happening it, I, I genuinely don't think it's going to happen um and yeah i mean independent finance companies like jbr capital at the moment are lending 11.9 percent apr which is just phenomenal uh but what i found interesting and um, because so earlier this week uh myself and a few others in the office were looking at finance options for BMW M cars, uh, because there was a a rumor that went around. Somebody said, oh, did you know that BMW are currently slashing their finance rates? They're trying to sell as many cars as possible. So naturally, went onto the websites and had a quick look. And and it's absolutely right. There are a lot of BMWs at the moment that are going out, including M cars, at 4.9% APR. Right. uh, Which I thought was like, hang on a minute. This looks good. But what I found really interesting so I think if you want to go and get an M2, you can get that at 4.9% APR. Don't quote me on these figures because, of course, every dealership is going to be slightly different, have slightly different incentives and whatnot. Uh, but the M3 tourings were still at 9.9%. <laughs> I was like, why? <laughs> yeah. no, that's, are they just being a bit cheeky and going, well, these are still in demand, so we'll get the extra income from the uh, for the monthlies on that one. Um, but, yeah, it's going to be an interesting time. I think there will be in the next, certainly before the end of the year, there's going to be some interesting deals to be done. Yep. Where you might be able to go out and get some, get a, quite an attractive finance deal, but I do think long term these rates are only going to keep going up. Even if the interest rate for everything else in the world drops again, yep. I do think that people buying cars are we are going to get more and more stung by this. Unless it's a EV bridge or you know washing <laughs> machine Zanussi four twenty ten ID three Buzz, it's yeah we are unfortunately going to be paying a lot of money for them. Yeah,
2: yeah. I think the the, the 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 reduced finance rates, as you say there. I'd I'd also heard that, and I think what's happening is uh, BMW were very good up until 2021 when car prices started going sitting steady and then going up really, didn't mm. they? Uh, well, they're all very, very good at uh, dealer contributions. That's what they used to call them, yeah. which to you and I is a discount, but they didn't yes. like using discounts. <laughs> dealer contributions. Yes, sir, we'll give you 15 grand dealer contribution. No, you won't. You're just going to knock it off. Yeah. But So so that was always a thing with BMWs and M cars. And in fact, I think 2020 and 2021, they had 0% on the majority of M cars. That's right, yeah. Um, which was just nuts. Because everybody
0: in my town had an M2. Yeah, Everybody yeah. had an yeah, M2. I remember M2. that, yeah. yeah. Just <laughs> walking going, Where are all these M2s coming from? everyone's yeah. paying 400 quid a month exactly no with a 500 pound deposit yeah. or four yeah it's <laughs> yeah. like
2: if you think back to then you're like yeah, and yeah. uh so so that's all yeah so that's all so i think what's happened is now they've started reintroducing those dealer contributions but but packaging it differently so yeah. Uh, so they 're writing that discount off whether it 's five grand or ten grand, whatever it might be for your m two uh they they 're just they 're forwarding that to the finance company so they 're still you 're still paying or someone is still paying ten percent a p r yeah but yeah so it's it's it is interesting how it 's all packaged up in a slightly different way um, and I think like you said i think and then but they 'll get to a point because sales are slow that mm. that that you not only get the lower o p r then you will get that dealer contribution back as well. And but but in general, yeah, it's just going to get more and more expensive. And you compare, uh, I've you know, I speak to a lot of Irish followers, um, they get absolutely stung they in do, Ireland. Yeah. I mean, the uh, yeah. V was it vehicle something VIR or VAR I forget, but they pay, yeah. I think, for the M2, they pay the about nearly twice, they pay about 120,000 euros for the M2. Yeah um and so we're actually lucky compared to ireland and places like turkey and finland and australia is oh it? God. australia yeah. luxury car tax oh yeah luxury car, oh, tax, yeah, up, luxury yeah. car tax mate it's yeah. absolutely <laughs> <laughs> i can do that because i'm half australian i like yeah, Unlike, yeah accents <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah i'm not half brummy though
0: as much as i'd love to be um yeah no you're right i, th- I think we are we're going to start seeing that and i think uh, this common thread of conversation has always been you know what's going to happen about once we get to the point of lots more EVs on the road and the government then aren't able to generate as much revenue from the the tax of fuel, i.e. petrol or diesel, and I know a lot of people are terrified because it feels like it's going to happen in five years, but the reality is, is it's not. The people that are buying petrol and diesel cars now, they, those cars are still going to work for 20 years from now, so there's still going to be a lot of them. But I feel like we are going to see a turnaround point where suddenly there is going to be a drop in that tax income for the government, and therefore we are going to start seeing things like luxury car tax. Mm-hmm. I think it's, it's sadly inevitable. So make the most of it now, go and buy everything right now. Yep. <laughs> Those cars that you've been aching after, just go and get just it now. Just go and get it now. Because yeah. in everything five years, that. you won't be able to afford it and you'll all be really sad about it. Uh, yeah. Cheery. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> right. This is meant to be upbeat. Oh yeah. Yeah. Go and fulfill your dreams and drive that dream car. <laughs> Don't need another house. Go and buy a car instead. Um, Motorcycles, that's a new thing. Yeah. How did that come about? Um, so
1: when, when, when did you have your midlife crisis? <laughs> <laughs> Is that recently? Or? Oh,
2: well, you know, I always watch John's stuff on his Instagram. <laughs> John, I thought, John I'm going to be video. like him one day. I <laughs> wish I could be uh, as cool
0: as John, Mark. Yeah. Uh, that, said nobody
2: ever. <laughs> I think I said that a few times. Ah. I think you're pretty cool. Yeah. stop it, no, stop cool. it. Yeah. look at him um, yeah no I, I think so I've always I've always loved two wheels I talked about it a minute ago I raced mountain bikes when I was younger yeah, for many yeah. years and I love bicycles I used to when I lived in Australia for four years I r- used to ride a lot of not a lot a bit of motocross as part of my training uh, so I could ride bikes but never had a license it was always off road or whatever illegal Um <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> this is a long time ago and uh but I think when I was young I would have got my motorbike license but my both my parents were against it Mm. and my parents are not I love them to bits they're not controlling at all in that way but there was one thing that uh I think dad had a couple of friends one that died or maybe a couple that died and people that were you know uh, put in wheelchairs for the rest of their lives on motorbikes so he was always like Do whatever you like, but please just not motorbikes yet. Because I was a bit of a, not a daredevil, I I have, I like the adrenaline and I was a bit like that on mountain bikes, you know, downhill mountain biking. I'd, I'd crash a lot and I'd get back up and do it faster and better and whatever. So I think if I look back on that, if I'd done, if I'd got my motorbike license 20 years ago, 25 years ago, I would have probably really hurt myself.
0: It's interesting, um, yeah. I've heard a lot of people say the same thing. I, I, I probably would have as well. I didn't get mine until I was twenty eight. Didn't even do my CBT until I was twenty eight. Right, for, probably for that same reason. Yeah, and
2: I think it's it's definitely a thing, isn't it? Some yeah. people aren't, you know, some people use it as a form of transport A to B and haven't got that mindset. But mm. I did. Um, but I, but I've always been obsessed with uh, motogp. My favourite motorsport has been for pretty much my entire life since I was probably about 12, 13. Uh, world superbikes and British superbikes, I love it. I'll watch any of those over F1. Mm. So, I've always had this two wheel fascination, uh, and an admiration. And I love like MotoGP riders to me are just gladiators, they are yeah. the best in the world, they're amazing. You can't buy your gp seat because you need that talent, you're not yeah. going to hide it, are you? It's, yeah. So, it's so so I've always and 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 actually, fair play big shout out to Neil from um BMW UK Motorad uh he he's watched my content for a few years and i think it was beginning of last year he just wrote me i think it was a dm must have been mm. and he was just like joe enough is enough when are we going to get you on a bike like you know like, <laughs> like like it's crazy you talk about it a lot you you know you love mo gp i'll put you through bmw rider training um which again, is, is a cheap shout out, but it was a fantastic uh, fantastic training place. Mm. They're all over the country. I think there's five or six of them. I went to the one in Royston. It was six days, and I stayed in a hotel down there because they're like, look, you need to be away from... I haven't got... you know, I'm with Lou, but I don't have kids or anything, but you just need to be away. You need to be in your own bubble because it yeah. goes back to what we are talking about earlier on, learning, uh, and and you just... It's, it's physically... Sorry, it's mentally really tiring because you're consuming a lot of mm. information. Uh, but I went from literally not having my license to having my full license and feeling pretty competent on a bike in six days. Wow. Um, and, and it was a brilliant, it was a brilliant experience. The best learning experience I've ever had in my life because mm-hmm. I felt like I learned so much. Yeah. Um, and, and that was it. So I got my bike license that last year and in my head it was like, right, bike license, next year's target, i.e. 2023 is to go to the Alps and do what I would love to do, what I'd love to normally do in a car, experience those roads on a motorbike, because I think it would be a completely different scenario. And uh, four weeks ago, three or four weeks ago, just before I went to Germany, I went away six days, 2,000 miles in a GS, and on my own, with a little bag and nothing else, and literally booked like I was booking hotel by hotel. So I was getting like, I was like, right, day one, I'm going to go here, boom, that night. Right, now I'm going to target there, follow the weather. And it was just wicked. It was so good. Um, And I'm so glad that I got my my license. Uh, And it's just anyone that's listening. Absolutely love the sound of that. It it is honestly, I mean, especially, you know, for, for someone like you who loves, clearly loves, driving and loves getting a car to its limits and you know you're very comfortable with that i think if you're not if you've not been on a motorbike you won't initially go there chasing those thrills at all you'll go there appreciating just other things won't you Mm. it's just such a different
0: i can't even explain it or the way i describe it is it's it's everything you've known about motoring but in a new dimension yes so imagine you imagine the world you know in the the house you live in and then suddenly somebody comes along and just flicks a switch in your brain you see it all it's what you're familiar with but from a completely new dimension it's really exciting it is it's um we, next time you do one of those alpine uh trip what? give me a call give me a call well, well
2: that's the first thing i did when i came back so i had a, a, a little anecdote from that from that trip i, I think i was sweet because i didn't know i so i've I left thinking god I've not spent more than probably two hours in the saddle on a motorbike Mm. before up till now right two hours is like (laughs) so so suddenly I've gone from two hours to doing like six days um, between eight and ten hours a day right so I thought number one my bum's gonna I'm gonna have all these sores and stuff but actually it wasn't too bad but end of day three I think I was in the middle of the Alps on this right I mean it was a beautiful place but I got there and I looked at my nav and it was like five hours to the hotel. So I was about halfway. I was feeling really knackered. Yeah. My neck was hurting. My arms were hurting. I had a bit of arm pump. My This left hand was playing up. Everything that w- was was hurting was hurting. And, and mentally, I was just a bit like, oh, this is draining. Then it started to rain. So Mm. I I pulled over and I just kind of sat next to the bike and I was like, oh man, this is going to be hard. Like like, I was almost quite emotional because I thought I'm really exhausted, like mentally and physically exhausted and there's no one around. There's nothing, nowhere to stop. Don't know where I am. I'm just following a nav. Um, And so I got back on the bike and I went down this, the first bit, I was literally at the top of the hill. So as I got on the bike, started descending. And in France or in the French Alps, uh, they have like where the roads are cracked up. They fill them with like these black joints, yeah. which in the wet becomes like it's like a uh, it's really slippery, it like is, silicone yeah. almost. Yeah, it is. it is. And so, I, and I was aware of that. Like I used my brain. I thought because I felt cars move around on them before. But I went through this corner and the whole bike moved. Probably moved an inch, but it felt like it moved I, like a meter. It, uh, <laughs> you should when have you seen how sideways yeah. I got. When you lose the
0: back end on a bike, it is. <laughs> It's the horrible, most unsettling thing in the world. It's like somebody's just grabbed your spine and twisted it. You're like, oh, yeah. it's horrid. It
2: is. Yeah. And, and so I was just like, oh. So I thought, oh my, God, I'm gonna. This is gonna be a hellish afternoon. Like, really is. And at that point, this other GS, because uh, again, you see so many GSs out mm-hmm. there, which uh, for the right reason, they're fantastic adventure bikes. This other GS, on an Italian plate, went past. Guy on the front must have been his wife or girlfriend on the back. She was like bare. It was like it was pretty chilled up there because we were at high altitude. She's like bare legs, bare arms, God. <laughs> um, and, uh, and nothing to her. And they went flying past me like it was like it was bone dry in my head. It was like they've just gone past it like it was bone dry, and they yeah. were slicks. Yeah, Whoops. yeah, you can pick that out. Sorry about that. What, that, what uh, slicks? No, no, no yeah. <laughs> um, so they're on slicks, and uh, and and so that, anyway, they've gone past. So I, I thought in my head, right. So I've got two options here. I either just kind of carry on like I'm going and just survival mode, or I just believe that I can keep up mm. with him because he's on the same, apparently, I think in my head at least, on the same tyres, on the same bike. Yeah, yeah. I can do what he can do. And so for the next forty-five minutes <laughs> with gritted teeth, I honestly I followed <laughs> it. Screaming in your helmet. Oh, mate, I was making up like I was losing so much time, sort of mid-corner. He was just picking it up. And going. But in my head, it was like a computer game. It was like I've got to, mm. you know, make up a bit of time on the brakes, mate. And he's probably just like properly chill. Like yeah, he's yeah. like, oh, listening to radio <laughs> four. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and I think I'm like emoji be right at That's this hilarious. point. <laughs> but actually, I got to the bottom, and he pulled me out this amazing uh, this this bad dark place that i was in it wasn't bad dark it was just a difficult situation yeah yeah. and suddenly i'm like an hour in they've disappeared i'm at the bottom there's civilization there's people and i'm just like and the sun's out everything's dry i'm like oh that was awesome you know like but that that was just that's that's kind of like you'd never get that in a car like you wouldn't that was it was a real sort of motorbike moment but it's yeah i can't anyone that's listening that's thinking about doing it if you're doing it for the right reason um then and do it. because uh, it's such a different experience and it's such an amazing experience. Mm-hmm. Um something very different. And uh, and John, you're well, my mate uh Chris Bound on Grumble. Yeah. You've had on the podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um and, and yourself, because I know, yeah, I remember when you started getting heavily into it a few years ago and you're posting more and more. It's it it it's people like yourself and Chris that that did influence the mindset of oh, okay, I need to experience this um almost seeing it and going oh yeah oh i want to be on that ducati or whatever you've got yeah. um and it's just yeah it's a great great adventure it it's, is uh, yeah
1: we keep flirting with the idea in fact we did say in a few podcasts ago that um i would go and get the
0: entry-level license do the cbt do the get it done 80 quid or whatever it is maybe it's slightly more now but yeah i think 80 quid to go and do a days or two is it two days one day i can't remember um it depend- I no, it is yeah. a day, actually. I it is it's. a day, some places, yeah. 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 Um, you're going ride right around a school playground for the first morning or a coned-off bit of an old uh, boot sale airfield. Um, then you spend the afternoon on the road and a man in the high-vis jacket says, yep, you're safe, good to go. And yeah. then you can get yourself a little 125 with L-plates. Um, don't bother going to do a CBT on a twist and go if you want to ride motorcycles because you have to do it twice. So yeah. go and do it with gears. Um, and you might discover it's not for you, and that's fine. But it, yeah, without knowing you you may potentially be missing out on this amazing experience this amazing new dimension yeah I'm with
2: in. a face like that you're definitely in i'm in yeah
0: <laughs> oh well this has been um this has been good fun yes it has been really good fun um i feel like we're probably at risk of missing out on many 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 things and many topics but i hope it won't be another two and a half years until we are back in front of microphones certainly not going to the pub or something like that cuz I think that's probably what's necessary.
2: Definitely, mate. No, it's been great coming back, and uh, yeah, it's always a pleasure talking to you and seeing you. Yeah. Uh, and it's been great, great meeting you as well. And uh, and yeah, I've really, really enjoyed this. So I will be back, and you it won't be back. two and a half years. I only live 50 minutes away, so no excuses. How many? No, fifty. Oh, 50. Five, five Oh, Not fifty. <laughs> so I, yeah. I was about to throw <laughs>
0: something heavy at you. You live 15 <laughs> yeah, minutes away from here, you and I was 15
2: been... minutes late, so I didn't actually <laughs> leave. And
0: yeah, that's very me, actually, by the way. But uh, but yeah. <laughs> So uh, thanks for having me on. Pleasure, pleasure. So yeah, and next time you come, so Miles will have his uh, at the very least CBT. Correct. Ideally, full bike license. We'll see. Just actually, before we round up, have you done any like track day stuff on bikes yet? No. Uh, and see me neither. Ah. I still haven't. Okay. And I want to do one of these like rider school things. Same. Because like you say, the, the, the your almost accidental analogy of following the Italian bike down the uh down the Alpine Pass yeah. is exactly what you need on a track day. Because if you've got somebody ahead of you that's on the same bike with the same grip levels, yep. you get that moment of realising, Oh, you can actually go that fast. Yep. Brilliant. And of course because you feel more vulnerable on the bike and stuff, it's harder to do. But Yeah, I want to do one of those schools where somebody can show me actually how fast the bike can go. Because I still, to this day, despite the fact that I've now been riding for six, seven years, I still feel like there's a lot to be unlocked.
2: But it's hard, isn't it? Unlike a car where you go all right, how much grip have I got? Okay, I'm getting understeer. Yeah. Okay, how much, how, you know, what can I give out of this corner? Okay, I'm getting a bit oversteer. You know where the limits are for it if you know how to drive to a certain point. You know where the limits are yeah. relatively quickly. Whereas on a bike, it's like, how much grip have I got tipping in here, trail breaking. oh, I've run out of it and yeah. I'm on the floor. Yeah, so yeah. you can't, it's, it's a very fine line. But as you say, I think there's so much, so much to unlock and the track day yeah, I've been talking to Chris about it. In fact, that should be maybe something that we could all do next year. That'd be really cool. Because um, he wanted to do like a whole, like a go to Spain. I think Almeria is their circuit. Mm. They do a lot of testing on and stuff. Go down there and literally like from beginner to like do it. almost set a lap time. Right, Joe, you go out and just do a lap. Follow yes. me, do a lap you're comfortable with. Right, now let's spend two days doing things and see yeah. how much you can progress. Because I think there would be so much you'd learn um or the or the yeah the rider training places in the uk they look fun let's do it the
0: track they stuff let's do it let's make some inquiries make it happen I think Absolutely. It'd be really good fun well dear listener you've made it to the end of a two hour long podcast we don't often go as well we've got a few longer than this one but uh, i feel like it's been two hours well spent yeah if not apologies <laughs> yeah what are you still doing here yeah because yeah. <laughs> if you if you've not enjoyed it and you're still here the problem is you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> leave a negative comment. <laughs> um, but yes, on that note, uh, as we sometimes like to remind people of, because it is the currently the only thing we ask of you. If you are, if you have enjoyed this particular episode, um, then why not firstly subscribe because that helps. Likewise, if you're watching Joe's videos and you're not subscribed, what the hell are you doing? Go and subscribe. Do subscribe. It does make a big difference to us. Uh, and also, if you are feeling especially generous, leave us a review and a nice one at that because it does help with this bizarre algorithm, algorithm? algorithm that we can neither understand nor pronounce. So, uh, yeah, do that. That would be great. Uh, make sure you're following Joe on all the social medias at Joe Achilles. It's the same on all platforms, isn't it? I think so, yeah. Or just search for his name, you'll find him. Yeah. Um, Yes, do check out the YouTube channel. I'm sure you already do. I'm sure the vast majority of people listening to this episode are listening to this episode because they already watch you on YouTube and they want to hear your voice more. And they have for two hours. hours. Isn't that nice? It is. Thank you. Yeah, thank you everyone for listening. Uh, Don't forget, you can see everything that we do at driven.site there you will see all of the videos that we put together you will see the written articles that we write Uh, you will see the news stories that we handpick every single week and every day or so we have new news stories for you to go and consume so if you feel that for example you've been a bit out of the loop with what's been going on in the automotive world of late pop on over to driven.site and click on the news section and you'll have a good Look through there. Uh, we handpick the stories that we think you like, so go and have a look at those. Um, and likewise, yeah, or some recent new articles that I've written, including a um, interesting article I put together about the recent Lotus Emira. There is going to be a video on that as well on our YouTube channel in the very, very near future. Uh, but uh, the nicest compliment I had about that article uh, about the Lotus Emira was, "That's the nicest sandwich I've ever read." <laughs> which is actually was actually meant as a compliment, uh, which I, I took. Uh, haven't yet had any feedback from Lotus about it. You took, the, you took the
1: reader on a journey, did you? Uh,
0: yeah, a, a, a journey of great, oh no, great, oh no. Yeah, it was a roller coaster. Go and have a read. If you like reading things, go and have a read. We've got some nice articles. Miles, thank you. Thank you, as ever. As ever. It's a bit, always a pleasure. Um, uh, thank you, dear listener. Thank you, everyone. Thank you. Yeah. Nice to meet you too, Miles.
1: Oh, yeah. yeah. Wow. Oh, yeah, Miles, this is
0: Joe. Joe <laughs> this is Miles.
1: <laughs> did I do that? I forgot to do that. Yeah, we did. We sort of, we, you know, we did. We my, whilst you were running around trying to sort your alarm out on the defender outside, we actually introduced you.
0: Yes, that was, ha- yeah, that did happen, dear listener. There was uh, There was. A, an, a slight interruption to this episode that you weren't aware of until now, which is that the, uh, surprise, surprise, the la- the Land Rover product electronics are weird and sets the alarm no, off randomly. No. I won't have it said. <laughs> uh, right, should we go to the pub? Okay. Yep. Perfect. Thanks for listening. Speak to you next week. The Driven Chat Podcast. Powered by Paramex Digital. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter.